Kai's at. Is she getting on the mic with the sniffing? I think you're good. Yeah, you're going to pop up here and there, but I think you're good, man. I mean, you're don't not worry. a whole restaurant, you know? Don't worry about I did record <laughs> at a restaurant one time. I, I know. I was listening to your podcast. Yeah, that one, I was like, oh, this is way louder than I mm-hmm. thought. Because it, it, my mic is good enough to pick up a lot, but it's not so good that it, like, diffuses the sound. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, it'll pick, up, it'll pick us up just fine. And then I'm like... Oh, and also everything around it because it's that constant buzz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's, you don't have a directional thing, so it's just uh, room no. sound. Yeah. Oh, you know what this is? I, I honestly, the more I do the podcast, the less I want to... Um, the more I do the podcast, the less interested I am in like upgrading all this. Mm-hmm. Because there's something super punk rock about... like. I have Bluetooth and a six. I have a Garage Band and a sixty dollar USB mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of my favorite rappers just made an album. I'm not ready to give it album of the year, even though it probably will be. Mainstream, um, or are you talking like somebody's underground? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's not underground. He's uh, Lupe Fiasco. He's, oh uh, yeah. Yeah, so he's not quite mainstream, but he's de- he's not Drake, but mm-hmm. he's definitely you know not like people know who he is, but um. He said that he recorded it in two days on the YouTube, on a uh, USB mic. Dude, the muse just showed up. And I was like, dog, that's Good for wild. Him. Yeah. Like, that's insane. So, there, there is kind of, and you can't, you can't tell. Yeah. I think eventually getting, like, a producer would help, just to make sure that everything's up and up and the quality is right. But other than that, like, mm. if it works, why change it? Yeah, totally. You know. Ain't broke. Yeah, so. Um, I am here today with... I did not catch your last name, Olivia. <laughs> Olivia I'm Fair. I'm so bad no, at getting the last name from people. No, 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 Olivia Fair. Olivia Fair, mm-hmm. and more importantly, with Leia. Yeah. <laughs> I know, my sweet little puppy. I've had a lot of dogs show up on podcasts, where, like, especially because for a while, usually when I do uh, one of the podcasts, I have a nerd podcast, I have a uh, black anime podcast, so oh, me and my cool. friend, we, um, we talk about anime, but we talk about it from a black perspective, just because people don't realize how much like black people love anime Mm -hmm. you know it's it's like we do so we (laughs) We just do and you know (laughs) that's kind of what where it it came from was i realized that black people were super underrepresented Mm. in like video games and in like just weird pursuits like that just nerdy pursuits and i'm like i know that we're on youtube i know we play video games i know how come we're not on twitch how come Mm. we're not on you know podcasts so i was like yeah let's talk about this and so I just do that up in my room right now, and I will get a dog just, like, walking through, just, like, kind of, like, seeing what's out there, and then barking, and I'm just sitting there, like, can you stop, dude? <laughs> you're ruining the tape, man. Can, like, yeah. yo, there's a microphone here, and you're already loud. Mm-hmm. Like, you gotta chill, man. You gotta chill. But Dogs are notorious for wanting to mess up podcasts and things. They just, they see that microphone, and it's, they're just like, no, I, think, I mean, I'm joking. But <laughs> I think it's because it's it's something new like unless you're doing a podcast every single day yeah and it's just like part of it you would have no idea you'd be like what the hell is that yeah or it's just like schrodinger's principle right like anything that can and will go wrong yes go wrong. yes <laughs> it's like yes you've said you have the perfect line and then there's something in the background you know and you're like do i retake that is it gonna hit the same <laughs> the second time yeah. oh no i don't think it will so all right i'm excited though because this is part three of what i'm doing with the hive um, yeah, part three. Wow. Okay. What I kind of said this uh, earlier offline, but 
I kind of want to just release them all back to back days and just kind of see how far it goes. Okay. Um, so I'm thinking this might come out on Wednesday. Sweet. Probably Wednesday. It's cool to give people something to drive to work to. Yeah. Like, that's kind of how I always saw it. Like, a lot of the podcasts I listen to is kind of like, hey, man, I'm going to listen to you when I drive to work and, like, maybe when I'm at the gym, depending on what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love a good podcast. I don't, I mean, like, I feel like the trope, I'm, I stopped listening to them because, uh, like, the true crime podcast became, like, the only thing, you know, that's on the top of every list. And I just got real bored because I, I listened to, oh, God, what was that one that was, like, that really started it, that... It was the murder case. Yeah. Um, God, it was like everybody knew it, and now we can't remember the name. How it, crazy is that? My favorite murder was that the one. Mm, I don't know. I mean, we're talking like like because even early before them was like the Netflix ones that were going crazy were like uh, making a murder. No, this is like well, yeah. I mean, like sixty minutes has been around for like Dateline. Oh yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean. Yeah, like yeah. it's always been an interest for people, but this was like the one. Um, <laughs> it was like really early maybe it used it was even on on like public radio or something but Whoa. yeah i mean it was like early aughts uh while i was still in college i think anyways i listened to that one and then i got really into this podcast called colts for a while um which just uh i mean it just profiles colts and my appreciation for that you'll you'll understand this is i grew up hyper religious so I really oh yeah, that's yeah, gonna yeah. be a good one let's yeah, go yeah all yeah right. so I so I run into people like that all the time but that's I when I was listening to it I was leaving religion and um and so then I listened for all that I kind of got tired of it so I got into Hello from the Magic Tavern for a while which if you're into nerd stuff you should listen to because that's yeah, hilarious I think I heard of them. yeah it's about this guy it's a it's a fictional podcast about a guy who falls through a portal um into like a make-believe magical world i still haven't gotten into the fictional podcast yet not because i think they're bad or anything Mm -hmm. just because like i haven't gotten into them yeah this one's comedy it's funny and they were at comic cons and stuff so you'll like it yeah yeah yeah. it's because there's a lot that i'm seeing it's all their culture storytelling idea like this serial podcast Mm -hmm. and it's hilarious to me because it's just old-timey radio shows but done differently yeah yeah yeah. i know i do appreciate that it's the more things change the more they stay the same yeah, like, do you remember you're... when streaming, like, streaming TV first, like, really popped off? Where, like, you can watch the whole season at once. Yeah. And now it's going the opposite way. Yeah. Where it's like... Well, wait, when were you born? 94. Okay, so did you catch... Were you, you might have caught this or not. Like, did you catch, like, Netflix by mail? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were you, We were all waiting for our Netflix videos. We were super, know? super early on that. And it's funny because they blockbustered themselves. Yeah, they did. They, like... The, <laughs> It's the same thing. Like, it hit me the other... I was watching Netflix, and I was like, oh, you guys lost all your content. Mm-hmm. Because, and then, so to combat that, you tried to raise the fees. Yeah. And now everybody's realizing that all their stuff is over there. Yeah, I think it was like nine ninety nine when we when it first came out, and yeah. you got three DVDs or something a month. <laughs> Which sounds like it's not a lot, but when you realize that you're basically watching one movie a week. Well, and it was before you could watch ten, you know, like you, it was before any of that. Man, I feel it's gonna be weirdly really... old, except this is like a ten year yeah. span. It's so funny how fast that changed. The, the weird thing about Netflix, too, is that I thought that Netflix was gonna be it. And mm. Netflix is MySpace now. And I yeah. wonder what Facebook is gonna be. I don't think it's gonna be Hulu. 
I don't like, know. Like, you know, like, Napster, like, Napster was here, and then it was iTunes. Yeah, well, and well iTunes there was also LimeWire. <laughs> Shout out to all the illegal streaming services that we used to use. That <laughs> to you, make our mixtapes. Shout out to all the illegal streaming services I used to use that taught me how to get good with computers because my parents would figuratively, but maybe not, kill me if they found out what I had done. Yeah, I like taught myself HTML on MySpace. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. That was awesome. Yeah, just the, yeah, geez. It's, yeah, yeah, wow. Like, I learned what like external hard drives were and like all these things, like MP3 file. And like, mm-hmm. oh, don't get the uh, EXE because that's not like, I learned all that just from like, hey man, should we just, I learned what a torrent was because yeah, I got yeah, sick yeah. of paying for stuff. Yeah. And I got sick of like, so I just would like go online and just find the shows that I want to watch and just. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to me. Pray to God that you didn't get the, get a virus from it. Yeah. Just be like, I'm pretty sure this site looks good. Yeah. Don't hit yeah. download. Don't hit download. What, um, the thing that. Probably shouldn't say this online. This is what I'll say. It's saying. too late now. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I think I have mentioned it online. Um, oh no, early podcast for sure. I've mentioned it. But shout out to uh, all the websites that are basically just versions of Reddit that taught me where to get like streams from other countries. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. it's like, huh? Do I want to pay for this streaming service so I can watch soccer? Or do I want to just go on redacted.com, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do I just want to watch it from there? But yeah, it's, I, I, I'm very, so my, my thing about Netflix, because I watch a lot of, you know, nerd stuff and everyone's like, oh, Netflix is dead. I don't care. And also I don't think it's going to be mm-hmm. dead. I think it's going to be very hard to kill Netflix because they've. Netflix has stranger things. Their, their production company is doing fine. They're going to keep making their own new, I mean, they're, it's, it's all production studios now, to really. Me, what I would be doing is, if I if I ran Netflix, I would be looking at what countries have the highest population of users, which is apparently I think this is what I last heard: United States, Canada, UK, Australia, and like some of Asia. Mm-hmm. Like they haven't been able to like really nail down like is it Korea, is it Japan, is it like who it, who it is. If I were them, all I would do is license TV from those regions. Mm, mm-hmm. That is all I would do. And then, like, I would try to find one place and just, all right, cool. So we're, we just signed a, B- a deal with BBC where BBC is going to license their shows in all these countries. And but we they're just, sort of doing that a little bit with, like, Great British Baking Show and stuff, right? They like, are, but some of to it. me, like, that's what's going to make Netflix interesting. You need your, and I'm not really into Stranger Things, but you need your Stranger Things Russian doll um, Glow. Rest in peace, Glow. I'm a huge wrestling fan. So Glow is great. I like, um, honestly, I thought that there's a lot of wrestling promotions that should have been on Netflix. Mm. Just because if you're looking for weekly episodic content that has an overlying story that you, it's hard it, that you can watch live or recorded. Mm. Wrestling's kind of perfect. So I was like, you know, you could do a lot of things there. But yeah, that's all I would do. Is just. Maybe chill out on making movies with The Rock and Ryan Reynolds for a couple of years. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we're over it, yeah. I like The Rock. Who doesn't? I think Ryan Reynolds is cool. Stop making movies with them. <laughs> like, same with Kevin Hart and The Rock. Yeah. Like, we're good. We're good. But, we were here to talk about your art. So, what I was told before I came here is that you are a photographer. Mm-hmm. 
how did you get into that? What did you, is that something that you've always kind of been passionate about? Is that something that, um, that you kind of recently discovered? How did mm. that, how did that go? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in uh, my dad's a pastor and he planted a church when I was nine and in my family. Oh, wow. Was... That's language I haven't heard in a very yeah, long time. Yeah. 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 So my, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into it, but my, so my, so my dad was a musician first and when he was going to college, he wanted to be a radio DJ. So there was always like a, and he was into theater. So there's always like art history in my house. And my dad really gave me a love for art. Um, okay. He and I used to go to like museums and stuff and he would, he'd get up really close to a painting and be like, look like this, like here's the stroke. Here's where like Rembrandt's hand, you know, he's like, he was right here. He was right here. And he was just, you know, this little movement or whatever. And, and it gave me this love for visual arts and, um, I did like theater and ballet and music for a while, but I, I, it wasn't like, I wasn't ever going to go anywhere with these things, right? Like they weren't my, I, because I'm creative, I, it was great. It was fine, but it wasn't my stuff. Right. And, um, and when I, <laughs> when I was 14 or 15, I really wanted a camera so I could take MySpace pictures with my friends. Valid. Big time, big time. Cause my flip phone camera was not cutting it. And, um, and my mom, I had to go on this trip. My mom was like, if you bring my camera back in one piece, then we'll get you a camera for your birthday. So I went and the camera came back in one piece. And so I, they gave me a, like a Canon digital elf. This is, this is 2005. The one that would boop whenever you hit the, uh, the left button to, to see more pictures. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> but I was like deep into the settings really fast. So I, I don't remember doing that, but I'm sure it did. Immediately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me turn off the sound on the camera. Yeah, Why are we doing this? <laughs> no, I'm really sensitive to noise. So there's no way I was putting up with that. Um, but I, I got this camera and instead of taking a lot of my space with my friends, I ended up like in the grass, in my yard, underneath like plants, photographing flowers and stuff on okay. macrame. Like I just, I just all of a sudden went full on into taking pictures. Uh, and this was like my, between my freshman and sophomore year of high school and I, I had always, I tell people this a lot, like I always thought in pictures, I always like processed in imagery, okay. I always had, when I'm sorting through things or coming up with an idea or trying to communicate, I have it in imagery first for the most part. And I remember imagery really, really well. Um, and so when I got a camera, I felt like someone gave me access to my first language. Like oh, I felt wow. like I could okay. experience the world and communicate how I was seeing things so fluidly um and so i just couldn't stop like i was just yeah always making and um i kind of had a natural eye like people they were they were amateur photos they were terrible but people could see kind of like the idea of what i was doing yeah. or how it was going and so um i went back to like this was during the summer i have an august birthday and um so when I went to school, I showed these photos to a teacher of mine and then she put me in touch with the journalism program at my high school. And so then I was a photographer for the newspaper and very quickly became like an assistant photo editor for the newspaper. Oh. Yeah. And then I, uh, was like the next year I was the photo editor for the newspaper and the yearbook. And then my senior year, I was the editor in chief for my yearbook. So I, it was just like this really intense like, kind of like love affair like I just yeah. yeah I just like couldn't stop I still don't um and I had wanted to go to school for like journalism to I wanted to become like an international lawyer <laughs> I 
uh, I mean, I was still, I mean, because I was deep in Christianity, like it was a bunch of savior complexes, right? Like I wanted to go help somebody somewhere. Sounds very familiar. Yeah, yeah, you know the idea. And so, uh, but somebody thankfully took me to go see an art school. They were like, you just need to go look. So I went and immediately felt, oh, these are my people. So I changed my mind. I had no art class experience and I sort of threw together a portfolio over my junior year and my senior year and applied to art school. And so then I went to school for photography and film. And, um, you said that was on the East coast. Yeah, it was on the East coast. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I went to school for fine art photography and filmmaking. It was a totally transformative experience. And then, uh, I haven't stopped. I mean, I, I started doing like portraits and events when I was 18 is when I got my first like wedding. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. And I did that for about 10 years. Um, and I was doing that. And then I was also doing nonprofit creative direction, like freelancing creative direction for nonprofits and doing branding and marketing for them. And, um, and when I, I kind of, you know, I had this degree in fine art photography, but, and I love making art, but it was, you know, I had this business going and I finally built up my nonprofit work high enough to close down my wedding stuff, which was really exciting for me because I didn't really want to be doing weddings. That's kind of what every person asks a photographer is like, oh, I got a wedding. Can you yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, it still happens, right? Like people come in and, and I love it because it means they like what I do. And they're like, oh, well, do you do, do you do like families? Do you do portraits? And it's, it's complicated because you're like, no, I don't, <laughs> you know? And you want to say yes, because you also know it's like, it's like someone might as well just like hand you money in the room and you're yeah. like, ah, I would love to. But I've always respected that from, I, I have a lot of friends who are tattoo artists. Well, mm-hmm. I have a lot of tattoo artists who I now consider, you know, like, like they're friends of mine. Mm-hmm. And I've always respected the guy that, it's like, hey man, can you do this, this, and this? And they're like, no. It's painful. And I'm not good at it. This is a it's a new it's a new phase for me where I'm really sticking to my guns on it. Um but I, I when I st- when I went I closed on my wedding business and I was full tilt into nonprofit creative direction and I and I promptly burnt out. And I thought it was my dream job and it was not. It was awful. And at this point I've like I've had a kid and it just kinda um, I stopped making for a while, like quite a while. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I got back into it cause I started doing photos for artists, like helping artists get pictures okay. of their creative process. Yeah. And I really loved it. Um, and I did that for about a year and then finally mm-hmm. was like, okay, I want to go back to just making art. So I'm going to stop this. And I, I mean, there's a lot of like, you have to acknowledge the privilege in it. Right. Cause my, I'm married to a software engineer. And so there was some freedom for me to say, right, yeah. okay, I, I really want to do this and make my art. And, um, and I was really lucky that I had a foundation right. and like a support system that gave me the freedom to say, that's what I'm going to do. I think that's the hardest part that people, that people have. Um, I know personally just I where I was working was a very good job that a lot of people when I left there they were like why would you do that hmm. and you know when I when I told them about the company it took me a long time because I'm working on my own my own company 
that is centered around art and it took me a long time to explain this is what I want to do this is how because I was kind of like myself I was like dude I don't really know if this is going to work yeah, but we're yeah. rolling yeah. we're going to figure it out and so I think that's that scary part of well what if it doesn't work and it kind of hit me a while ago you find a job bro Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work, the, you know how many nine to fives are out there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what I what, what I what, what I learned just from you know, and, and I just I just got done talking about it. But that patience that you need to have of I can't force this. Mm-hmm. You know, because I I grew up playing sports my whole life, and so the thing is like you know, especially playing basketball. All right, so. If I can't shoot, I'll pass. So if I can't pass, I'll dribble. And if I can't dribble, then, uh, it, you know, you can always do something. Hmm. But with art, it's not like that. You really do have to kind of like, okay, so I can't create right now. I'm not feeling it. What do I do? Now what? Mm-hmm. And I think that patience and that, okay, let me just take a break from creating. Because it is a lot of work, and people do not realize how fast that'll burn you out if you're not prepared for it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's something where just learn. That's kind of the step one of being an artist is how am I going to do this in a healthy way to me as well? Especially when, you know, a lot of my favorite musicians, they'll talk about, you know, mental health and they'll talk about, you know, different social things. And it's like, that gets exhausting, bro. I know it does. And I think just, you know, like you were saying, you know, being able to say no and learning how to do that, that's important. Yeah, I think it's even more more difficult now, right? When I started making photos, it was literally like MySpace and Tumblr was, you know, all that there was for social media. Rest in peace, Tumblr. Rest in peace, Tumblr. Verizon <laughs> bought them, I think. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, so there wasn't a lot of places to go, right? Yeah. And then... As I started doing weddings, weddings was working well for me because it was right kind of when like the wedding photography industry boom happened. So um, you had all these people like blogs were popping off and it was like every Mm -hmm. everybody had a blog, everybody. It was really easy to work the content and the marketing and the like search engine work because it was so early on. So it wasn't as saturated. Yeah, it's awful. And I think now, um, you know, when I. I, I started a new Instagram um, a couple years ago and it is impossible <laughs> to grow it, right? I mean, it just is such a slow process. And when I was getting started, it was like pff, easy um, to like get an audience and, and find yeah. the right people. And, uh, and so I think now there's so much pressure to, for output and there's so much pressure to be saying something all the time. I mean, I think, you know, Bo Berman has that, like, has that thing about, he has all that stuff about content and keeping up and a little bit of everything all of the time. And, and it is so exhausting as an artist when it, when you, anything really good and worthwhile takes, uh, with the exception of something like, you know, the rapper or Dua Lipa who did it in two days. You know, sometimes it happens. Sometimes it just yeah, flows, some, right? Yeah, sometimes they just go. Yeah, but that's, we, but like that is probably a great example because we don't know what was happening in the six months before for him. Yeah. 
where all of this was kind of happening in his mind and, you know, and then it led to this great moment, you know, for him. Yeah. And I think that's something I've mentioned before. I mentioned it last podcast and I guarantee you no one's going to find it, but I did have an experiment. It's a multi-level experiment. So secret Instagram. I don't think I've told anybody the name of it. Mm -hmm. I don't you I use hashtags but only as titles for the collection and I take art that I found on reddit instagram whatever um and I write basically rhymes it's not like a full song sometimes it is I, I did go like 48 verse uh 48 uh, bars one time but I write based on how it makes me feel from the perspective of a character that I, that I made that is a very personal character that has been teaching me how to be more vulnerable in my art because Braven won't say certain things that character will mm. and so it's kind of helped helped with that because um, some of my favorite artists they have like that that uh, alter ego um, like one of my favorite rappers of all time MF Doom he was MF Doom he was Victor Vaughn he was King Ghidra and each of those characters were something different and so that kind of thing was always interesting to me, but doing a doing it with photography has been something where it's like that just evokes a certain thing. Like even when I hear people think I'm crazy when I, when I say this, there are certain songs that I hear, and I imagine like a scene. Oh, I have seen it all the time. Like a movie scene, yeah. and I'm like, this is how this makes me feel. Do you find yourself in a music video sometimes? I or like you're doing too. something, a song comes out, and you're like, I'm in a movie, something's happened. Like, it, the song and the movement and yeah, what you're doing, and you can like see the perfect. cameras around you, yeah. And I think, honestly, I think that comes from, like, with me, me and my brother get into this argument all the time. I'm a way bigger video game fan than I am a movie or TV fan. And the reason why is because I'm the main character mm -hmm. in this. Like, don't get me wrong, I do love movies, I do love, you know, stuff like that. We, one of my favorite, we just watched one of my favorite movies the other day, uh, The Nice Guys, have you seen it? Mm-mm. It's Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe playing Private Eyes in 70s Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Like, you don't expect it to be funny, and it's so good. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, I like those two guys, but I want to I wanna be him. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, with me, like, that's kind of where it did become more personal was, like, I want to be this character. And I think putting that in my art kind of did change how that goes, especially because, you know, you were talking about the savior complex. I grew up in a very religious home from 20... 2006 to, holy shit, 2014? Hmm. Yeah, like 2014. My family was very, very deep in the church. Yeah. What and kind of church? Baptist. Oh, I got smoke. I got smoke. I, I will air it out because I got yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot of beef with that. Were church. you in like like a Pentecostal Baptist nope. or were you in, you were in like Baptist Baptist? Yeah. Like Southern? Yes. What part of the country? Here. Here. Here and in Hawaii. But okay. let's see. Okay. Let's see if you know. Oh, I'm sorry. They're not Southern Baptist. They're the independent Bible Baptist. Uh, yeah. There you go. So... They were based in, I wonder if you would know, they were based in Crown Point, Indiana. Okay. That's a, the that's the denominational? Not really, but yes, but no. Yeah. So it was like, 
all these pastors all went to the same school. Yeah. What school? Tiles Anderson. Okay. Their leader has gotten in trouble for definitely sexual misconduct. I'm sure. Possibly assault, but sure. I'm not sure. And maybe abuse, but also I'm not sure. Definitely misconduct, though. Yeah. I'm not 0% surprised. That's so rampant. I'm only surprised by how often it happens, and I'm like, still, what are we doing? I mean... I'm surprised it's still a pervasive issue. That's really what... I'm like... Where is it not a pervasive... I mean, like... I mean, like, it's a pervasive issue. It's shocking because it's in a religious context, which is when we think about that, especially when we think about Christianity in our country, we're thinking about a place that's supposed to be. People don't really think about it this way anymore, but for a long time, it was... The center of... It, it was, was the like, backbone. It was the backbone, and it was, like, a very safe place, and it was a community. I mean, when you think about it, like, religion is culture in so many ways, Especially, right? like, when you look at, like, old East Coast. Like, there was, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. literal states were founded because of the religious beliefs there. I mean, in some ways, uh, like, our Rhode country Island has a lot to the, yeah. do with... You know what I mean? And, and what's crazy is, is that we think about that, and in our history books and stuff like that, we really celebrate that. But... When you get down into it, actually, Christianity, religion, is like, is it has that facade, but what it's actually doing is colonialization and genocide, and it's not, it's not that. I ever. pissed somebody off one time because they were, um, they asked me why I didn't go to a Christian church, and I said, why would I believe what the slave master told me? To exactly, believe? exactly. They, they got. Yeah, I mean, it was bad. Like, and within the Baptist tradition, you know, like there's, I don't, you probably know this. Then, they literally like, changed the Bible. They changed the Bible, and there are letters. There's like evidence from one owner, one like horrible person to another. Where like, oh, if you teach them this, if you teach slaves this, then they will be more docile and easier to control because of the belief. And so there was all of this effort to convert people into this, so that they could continue to control. And that is. Pretty much actually how I left religion was figuring out what purity culture had done to me as a woman and also finding out what colonialization and control actually did within the church. So when we have like some guy who's in part, who's in charge of the independent Baptist. Almost always guys too, which is. Always guys. Never, not almost. Always. Always men. I can't think of... Oh, no, no, no. For the Baptist church, no, you're, you're 100% Always right. Always yeah. men. Sometimes you might get lucky in a different denomination where it's like, oh, this is... Yeah. This is a slightly different situation, but usually it's a very... Not at the top. I don't think a, ever at the top. It's such a patriarchal thing. Even yeah. the idea of, like, Father God is like... Yeah. Yeah. So when you have these people at the top, when you think about, like, literally what, especially Independent Baptist, Southern Baptist was founded on... I'm, I'm, it never surprises me that it's still a thing, ever. You know what it is that's interesting to me? So, like, I wanted, so, okay, I, looking back, and my mom, and my mom has apologized to us, which is nuts. Mm, but that's she, so beautiful, though. But that's really she, lucky. She felt bad because my pops was deployed a lot. Mm. Um, and what I, what I say by that, like, the reason why I say this is because my dad was gone. Whether or not, for whatever reason, I know dudes who dad, whose dads were gone is like, yeah, my dad drove a truck. Yeah, my dad, you know, worked nights. And, like, their dad's just gone a lot. And it's, I'm not, the only reason I clarify is because my dad wasn't a deadbeat. He did what he could for us. And he, like, but for me personally, he was deployed 
a lot in my formative years. Now, my brothers, I'm four years older than my brothers. So for them, it's a little bit different. Um, that's actually why I moved back and why I was staying with family for so long. Because me and my family needed to fix a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we pretty much did. Like, there's stuff here. It, it's still a family, so there's stuff here and there where it's just like, right. you know. Um, but for the most part, like, we're, we're, we're good. But what the thing that kind of got me out of it was I played, was playing sports because that was kind of, like I said, dealing with a lot of depression. Oh, no, I'm not sure if I explained it here. Um, the thing that got me into writing was I was super depressed. Uh, death in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, you know what? I'm not sure if I've told this story here. I'll just tell it. My cousin... Um, so my cousin was killed in Chicago. My family's from Chicago. Oof. My cousin was killed in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Like, on some, mo- more, very likely, but never really confirmed, on some, this is Chicago stuff. Um, that was the first time I'd ever seen my mom cry. Mm. Because my cousin was being, not raised, but whenever my, co- my cousin's from Tennessee. And so whenever he would come up to Chicago, he would be with my mom and my dad while they were dating. So that was, like, their first kid, basically. It's, like, how I explained it. Like, they would take him to the zoo. Um, my mom tells a story, like, how he, like, kicked his shoe off because he was a kid. You know, he's a baby. So, like, he'll, like, kick his shoe off and, like, in the zoo and stuff like that. And, like, what are you going to do? Like, get it like get it from a tiger? Like, I mean, you know, like. <laughs> but um, that was the first time I'd seen my mom cry. And I reached out to the pastor. And my cousin was Catholic. And he was, like, well if you didn't say anything to him, then yeah, that means that he would... I'm sorry. No, that's not what happened. I asked him, like, well, what does this mean for him? And he, like, like in, in private, he was like, oh, well, you know what? As long as he had belief in Christ, you know, that whole thing. The next sermon, he talked about how if you don't tell your family members, then, you're, then the blood is on your hands. And I was 13. No, hold on, 2011. Like, if you don't tell them about Jesus? Like yeah. Not, uh, and this was 2010. Yeah. So I'm 16, and I'm like, holy shit, I just fucking sent my cousin to hell. Yeah. That's a, that's a horrific feeling. And it fucked with me, because I had no one to... Who do I go to? Mm-hmm. And so I was hyper-depressed, because, you know, my dad's deployed all the time, and, like, we were starting to have issues, because I'm 15, 16, 17, and I don't really want to do the church, but I feel obligated to for my family, and, like... I was the song leader, but I was also very passionate about sports. So, like, it was starting to get too much. And I was like, you know, I had one friend that I would tell these things to. And she's like, dude, you can't live like this. You got to write. Okay, cool. Like, you got to do something. So she gave me a notebook. She's like, write out how you feel. Everything came out in rhymes. And this is kind of around the same time that I met one of my friends. The guy, who, somebody who I actually, you know we used to be really really close and he introduced me to Kid Cudi who is yo by the way Kid Cudi's debut mixtape is on streaming services now and it still goes hard like 14 years later um there's a lot of songs like there's like two that I'm like eh this didn't really hold out well but the other like 15 on the album I'm like yo this is still stupid in 2022 like just as dope as it was in 2008 you know so I um and I was you know I was writing all the time and my favorite rapper of all time is Lupe Fiasco because he was like you know Chicago dude and at that time I wasn't sure what my identity was like I really wanted to be from Chicago because it was like yo this hard ass city where no one fucks with you bro and like 
but at the same time it just wasn't it wasn't me I never lived there before like I grew up in Hawaii so I didn't really know who I like who I was and I just started writing and it started rhyming and so I started listening to more and more music and I found like an alternative like Christian hip-hop scene oh yeah 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 and some of those dudes are legit. Like, yeah. Lecrae was legit for a while. Yeah, yeah. people really loved him. Um, I haven't listened to him in so... But what got... Wait, wait, wait. Have you heard I Like Big Bibles? That was one of the... Th- no, I haven't. <laughs> and just the fact that that song exists bothers me on just... Your listeners are going to be like, what? A personal level. <laughs> on a very deep personal level that bothers me. Well, okay, for context, it's... I like big butts. That that's not the name of that song though, right? What's the name of that song? Baby got back. Baby got back. Thank you. Yeah. Right. So it's that song, but it's a parody by like a white youth pastor. Of course it is. Singing. Have you you haven't seen it? No. Yeah, but singing. Uh, I like big Bibles. You Christian brothers can't deny. I can oh my god! Yes, I have seen that. Yes, I have yeah. seen that because my brother sent it in like in the group chat like yeah. two years ago. Two he, years ago, it came around. It was like. It came out in like 2000. It yeah, my brother YouTube. found it and he sent that to me. And my brother never swears and he's like, what the fuck is yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Dude, they played that at my youth group meeting. But like the thing that <laughs> but the thing that got me the most about that was no matter who I listened to, nobody would in this you have to remember 2011, 2012, this is like stuff is starting to get a little bit sketchy. Mm-hmm. So like my first year of high school, I moved here my first year of high school. And the day Obama got elected, swastikas were painted all over the school. Mm. And, like, we had people rolling up with Confederate flags and all that shit. So, I'm, like, listening to music, and I'm trying to, like, figure things out. And none of these rappers were talking about social issues. And I was like, wait a minute. How come none of the Christian rappers are talking about social issues, but all the Muslim rappers are talking about social issues? Like, Public Enemy, Chuck D's Muslim. Mm -hmm. And Tupac... Uh, he, yeah, he is Muslim. And Lupe Fiasco is Muslim. And I'm like, why are all these Muslim dudes talking about this? But none of the Christian rappers are. And I was like, okay, that's really, really weird. Didn't Did you know. decide why? I have a lot of theories on why, Me but too. nothing's really been set in stone. And, but it, I, I think there, I think it's a mixture of things. I think number one, Christianity is so mainstream that the idea of a Christian, like Kanye West is a rapper who identifies as a Christian. Right. So, is he a Christian rapper necessarily? I think he wants to be. <laughs> That's a hard case to to base yourself off of right now, though, right? Kanye like Kanye's is, Kanye is interesting because he is unabashedly a musical genius who changed how music is going to be made forever. Yeah. And everything you like about music is probably because of Kanye West. But my God, that 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 fall from grace has he been really, so rapid. He really took a turn. Yeah, I, my my theory is similar, right? I think probably I I am I'm not well versed in hip hop music at all, so just bear with me. But like, my suspicion would be that Chris, there's there's religious privilege too, and yeah. when you are when you're functioning in, I think now as somebody who's a religious, right? Listen, people would rather you believed in anything than be an atheist, right? And I don't, I mean, not atheist like like dog and baby but like people would rather that you believed in something because yeah. the idea of non-belief makes people so uncomfortable but the minute you get outside of christianity there's so much like religious intolerance from christianity that i think that christian rappers are comfortable my suspicion would be that they're comfortable in their place there 
I and also their think Christian audience doesn't want to hear that, about it. That's what I kind of landed and on. And so giving up the privilege of being in this circle where everybody loves your music and it's a sure thing to talk about. Because I went to like one or two Christian concerts and I'm like, oh, it's only white church people here. Yeah, it is. It's not dudes from the city who are going to the show. And I'm like, okay, all right. And that made sense. But also, I mean, just looking at the history of hip hop, it's not Christian. Right. Like it was started by, if you look at like, especially in the seventies and eighties, it was started by dudes who were in the nation of Islam in New York. Mm-hmm. That's why like a lot of the stuff that they say, like G when people say, Oh, like, you know, when people use the word, the term G, it wasn't gangster up until like the nineties. It meant God. And it really? was addressing it was There's a belief in the nation of Islam. This is not necessarily a, a um, um, <laughs> Pro nation of Islam. I'm just saying that a lot of stuff in hip hop they did, like that we like, and they they were very important. It's a history lesson. Because yeah. there's a lot of like, religion's hard because, especially like a lot of like African based religions. I don't want to say African based, but like nation of Islam is a black religion. Rastafarianism is a black religion, and so there's a lot of things that I like. Like both those teach that there's a God inside you. And so when you used to hear people say, gee, like up until like pretty much Dr. Dre started making music, it was addressing the inner God. Mm-hmm. That's like, if you listen to like cool. really old New York rap, like, like 81, 82, mm-hmm. you'll hear people say, oh, excuse me, but you'll hear people say, you know, like they'll say God on the record. Like if you listen to like really old New York dudes, they'll say like, like a God word is bond. Like that's all over Wu-Tang. Mm-hmm. And it's because there's a lot of nation of Islam. There's a rapper who was, his name is Rakim, and he goes by Rakim. But for a while, he was Rakim Allah, because Allah was giving him the term. Like, and so it's a very, like, and it was about community, and it was about changing things, and it was very politically oriented. And then it, you start seeing that change in the 90s. And then that's when, like, Gangster Rap came out, and which, again, that's speaking your own truth. But when you just look at, like, a lot of the Muslim rappers, there is still that bar of like, hey, if you're a Muslim rapper, you talk about these things in your community. Hey, buddy. And I think that was the thing that kind of turned me. I was like, wait a minute. No one else is talking about this. Why is no one else talking about this? Why are all the Christians so quiet about... At that time, it was Trayvon. Yeah. Uh And, you know, at first, everything I heard was like, oh, well, he shouldn't have been out that night. And then I was like, yo, what you wear shouldn't be a death sentence, though. He's a kid. Yeah. yeah, and so I think, it, and that was another thing that scared my family because black kids, suburban area, you know, coming home late from track meets and basketball games mm-hmm. and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and I was scared every single night, and that was one of those things. I was like, "There's something not right here," you know. Why are all these groups politically? Why are we so against, you know? And then I had to learn, like, hey, we're really, really against, um, like, you know, I'm very homophobic. Mm-hmm. Um, don't take that out of context. That's not cool. <laughs> but, like, you know, at that time... Yeah, yeah, don't do that. Um, don't run for president now. Yeah, for, yeah, for real. Um, but at the time, I had to realize, like, I'll, you know, oh, man, I'm very All homophobic. All stuff, yeah. Yeah, because you don't realize how deep that really goes. Yeah. And even, like, the abortion thing, that was... My mom has just kind of, like, changed her mind about how she feels about like Roe v. Wade because for me what I what I told her was like listen this is how it was explained to me nobody wants to have an abortion number mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. 
but yeah it's not like a fun saturday yeah it's not brunch you know yeah right yeah (laughs) you know like nobody wants that and nobody wants but there you'd rather have that legalized that way there is a way to do it safely Hmm. than i saw somebody was posting uh do-it-yourself abortions on tiktok like pills i'm like what yeah absolutely not no just like just based off that can we you know yeah, I mean, that is an interesting thing to take into account, right? When we talk about, you know, the symbol, right, for why we should have access, right, is the clothes hanger. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like the Janes and all of that imagery and sort of language is from a time before the internet. So I think there's something really fascinating about people on t- I've seen, yeah, I've seen quite a few, like, TikTok, you know, remedies uh and there's going to be something interesting between like social media content and how that ends up being dealt with by authorities and then also you know there's like underground people who like are learning uh older methods for doing this that are successful that you know because we have to take care of our own people and so it's that's a it's an interesting I think there's going to be a lot of migration. This is not a political podcast, but it pretty it much is. is. Now. <laughs> That's what we've been saying since like day two. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. this isn't a political podcast, but it, but it is. If you're talking about artists, it's political, right? Like it's I'm so glad be... you said that because yeah. I think the best art comes from people who are politically, not, not necessarily politically, let me not aware. say politically, socially active. Right. Because not everything is, I, I've been saying for a while, everything is politics, but when you break it down to like, if you think politics isn't like running for office, it's not necessarily that. Right. But when you break it, and, and I was, you know, I, the the last cast uh, pot I did, I was saying that my theory, and this is usually accurate, and this isn't trying to demean anybody, because um, I had to accept this with, um, just like with my beliefs and with other people. My theory is that most people have one stance that they're hyper strong on, that it like kind of defines their beliefs, and then other stuff kind of comes second. Mm-hmm. But I had to realize it's not necessarily a bad thing. Because sometimes people can't identify with that. Like, for me, like, it's very important that, like, to be pro-black and to bring as many people, you know, help as many people as I can in that sense. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm, like, not pro-gay, not pro-woman, not pro, yeah. you know. How did you rewrite that stuff for yourself, though? Right? Because that's what we were talking about. You were talking about uh, when you figured out that, like, uh, all these Christian hip hop artists weren't talking about this thing, and then you had to start dealing with your own like homophobia, massage, all that kind of stuff. Like, how'd you? The army helped me a lot. Really? The army helped me a lot. That is never what I would have thought would have been the first answer to when dealing I was in, with your homophobia. When I was in the army, you learn how not to care. So, and even today, I don't have many gay friends. But I've realized now in this point, and that's going to going to rapidly change the more artists I become friends mm-hmm. with. Um, gay male friends, I mean. Uh, I don't have a ton of gay male friends. I have a lot of friends who are... Um, I, I do have friends that are non-binary. I have friends who are... Um, I have friends who are lesbian, but not a ton of gay friends. Mm-hmm. Um, just because even, like, the circle that I travel, it's, you know, a lot of sport. Like, sports and then the army. Church, sports, and the army <laughs> were not the most exactly gay-friendly place places, be, yeah. you know? But realizing how much it didn't matter. I had a gay roommate when I was in the army. Mm -hmm. And the only time it was ever an issue 
was because he woke me up at 2 a.m. and was like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm gay. And at 2 a.m., and you're not going to get a more unfiltered response than waking somebody up at 2 a.m. And I was like, fucking cool, dude. We got formation in like three hours. We'll talk about this later, all right? And we never did talk about it later. It was just like, I think the only thing I said was one time, and I realized how much you didn't like it, so I had to stop. But I was like, yo, I thought, like, for being, I, th- I thought gay people could dress well. <laughs> and he got pissed off at me, and he didn't talk to me for a few days. Also, I was, like, 19 <laughs> when I said that shit, and I'm 28 now, oh. and it's not funny. Uh, I mean, you're funny. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that, because it's fucked up, especially, yeah, if, but, it like. Is, but you're funny. <laughs> like, I should not have said that at the time. Yeah. I would not say that today. I do dress better than he does. But, you know, that's not... That's that, like, you gotta be you gotta be pretty close to somebody and know they're... You know, that they, yeah, that they know you're just, like, Yeah, and, like, even then, like, it's a yeah, risk. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yo, yeah. that joke's risk-reward is so not worth it. No. It's so not... Like, just... And so, like, stuff like that and just realizing, like, oh, I don't care. Yeah. Like, yeah, I have a gay roommate. Like, none of us cared. Because it was like, yeah, he's good at his job, and who cares? And mm-hmm. that was it. And, like, mm-hmm. a lot of... Like I said, a lot of friends, um, I don't even know where she found that. It's so important. <laughs> a I lot can't of, see it. <laughs> a lot of friends uh, who are lesbian, which, again, you realize how much you don't care. Mm. And I, the, the the interesting thing that I'm seeing now is uh, non-binary because that's something I didn't really even know existed. Mm-hmm. And I still am kind of not struggling in the sense of like, I don't understand it, but I am still kind of, like, working on properly, like, oh, it, it's not she, it's they. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's how you properly refer to this person. Like, that is something I find If they myself, say so, yeah. Right, if they say so. That mm-hmm. is something I find myself struggling with, is, like, just properly gendering somebody in that sense, just yeah, because... Well, you've been taught your whole life that they's only for this situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now you, depending on how savvy you are, you find out in the last six months year five years and it's like no we're you know that's different well i mean and I language changes the, all the time but it's, yeah and one of the points that's being, that gets made and i think it's important to acknowledge it right is that they actually get to use for the singular all the time just english is full of specific omittances right right so, yeah, exactly. so it is sometimes difficult and i think for me you know having left religion having tried to start deconstructing my own racism homophobia all of this stuff right like that has led to me being like oh i don't i don't know that i am straight oh i don't know that i do fit in that binary right so even for me like right now i'm exploring non-binary and like uh and there are parts of it that are that are working really well for me and explaining some stuff but even i like that is only coming about because i've been spending time with people who use they and i'm terrible at it It, that know? one's going to take some time to get, like, really accepted, I think. Just because that's... You've got to rewrite textbooks. You've got to rewrite... Like, that's a whole cultural thing is, yeah. is the pronouns. Yeah, but... That being said, you're, you're like, mine are listed in my yeah, bio on hey, Instagram. Like, what are so your like, pronouns? Yeah, it's he, him, his. And, yeah. But also, I don't care. Because yeah. that's, that's kind of where I'm at, too. Is like, And it's not an apathy. It's just, like... <laughs> I had someone on the phone one time, and she called me ma'am. And the only reason that bothered me is because, like, that's what you got? Or are you just, like, used to saying ma'am? Like, that's, that was my only question. I was like, yeah. I was like, yo, someone just call me ma'am. They're like, you? 
I was yeah. like, right? <laughs> That's what I was like. <laughs> Listen, no one likes being called ma'am. Is that, is that like, like, all right, cool, but like. You know, I was telling you that story about that guy jumping in my backyard. What's hilarious about that audio is that he said someone was chasing him, and then he was like running, you know, to the gate in my thing. Now, whether or not someone was chasing him, I don't know. Nobody ever came over my wall, and it didn't. I don't think anybody was chasing him. I think. He landed in my yard, and I was up and paying attention, and so he got out. You know what I mean? Um, but as he's running, he's like, "I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm so sorry." <laughs> and I was looking at, it, I was listening to it, and I was like, "Okay." I mean, like he didn't even see me. Like he was like far away. I'm still, ma'am. You know, and that's just, uh, anyways. It's a funny I, story, I've but noticed I hate being called sir. No one likes being called ma'am. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hate it. Like. <laughs> Because somebody... That's somebody who owns a house. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, actually. That's really good. Uh, but, like, when I was in the Army, you were sir if you were an officer, and you were right. ma'am if you were an officer. Everybody else was... The, like, and that's why even now, like, I've no, I've, I've cut down on it a lot just because I don't have to say it in the context, but, like, male, female. We used to say male, female all the time, mm-hmm. but it was because you're a soldier. And so I remember one time, we were in basic training, and they are like, hey, where's Johnson at? And someone else was like, who? Johnson. And they're like, which one? He's like, what do you mean, which one? He's like, there's a, a boy and girl. And they're like, no, there's no boys or girls, just soldier. He's like, I'm looking for female type Johnson. <laughs> like, female type? Is this Pokemon? That's female fucking type. hilarious. He's like, and then like a couple of minutes later, they're like, we're looking for male type. And we're like, you know what? <laughs> At least it's even. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's funny because you'll see that on Twitter. People are like, I can't, I, I, ne- I hate how people say male or female. Mm-hmm. And the only people who get the pass are like, hey, I was in the army and we were just taught, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you yeah. know, for 12 weeks, 23 hours a day that mm-hmm. day. It's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I've adopted, I'm she, they right now. Okay. Um, and it's been a really, you know, like the reason being, and I don't care, I don't care really what people use, right? It's really for my own internal stuff because I grew up in that like like uh, skirt you had to wear skirts to church or all the time that's what my church was well I mean my dad's a pastor remember so there's it, there was so many more rules than just skirts um, there was definitely like dress code for me because my family was sort of at the front you know and was the only yeah but as the only pastor at that church and the worship yeah leader, that's kind the, of so you're under the spotlight. Stuff like that I kind of understand. Yeah. Not necessarily I don't like dress codes in general, but I do understand that like, hey, you gotta you gotta wear this as Yeah, yeah, I mean At that point it's almost like a family business. It is like a family business. Um, but I think not only did I have that, but at one point four generations of women were living at the same time in my family. My great grandmother lived to be hundred and six. Wow. All the way down to me. Um so my grandmother, my great grandmother, my great grandmother, yeah, like my grandmother, my <laughs> my mom, and then me, and um, and she died right after my son was born, uh, and there was like my my mom's my mom's family uh, is like a doctors, lawyers, bankers group. Okay. You know what I mean? And um, my dad's a pastor, and from like his family's from Georgia, so there's not it's not the same group of oh, people. Okay. Um, not the same group of people, you know, Midwest. And, um, there's a picture that's being painted right now. <laughs> yeah. And so there was a lot of expectations around what women did in my family and who they were supposed to be. And then when you add on top of that stuff about gender roles within the church and like my dad would say stuff like, um, the most, you know, like the most satisfying creative thing you'll ever do will be 
raising your kids. Like, that'll be your most meaningful work you ever make. You know, all of these, like, really intense... Which is interesting because I've heard from creative people with kids that it is rewarding, but, like, dude, it's not the same. I don't have kids. I have no idea. I, I will... I think that's a whole other podcast to talk really? about being a parent as an artist and especially within the context of where I come from. But um, the... <laughs> But there was a lot of there was a lot of expectations around what women did, how they looked, what they wore, who they were, how they. I'm spoke. just gonna say three words and see if like see what your face says. The Proverbs 31 woman. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, there it is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that yes, right. Yeah. And so for no, me, I'm with you. I'm with I you. still, uh, I was like, I never felt like I measured up, and like all You're of these women in my. To. But I think, like, I realize that part of why it is is because I just fundamentally disagree yeah. with the binary of that idea, right? And so I don't really subscribe to it. And within our culture, I, I, well, within uh, white evangelical culture, it's a pretty u- ubiquitous, this is who you are and what you do, yeah. women thing. Um, and I just never felt... Not only, like, it, I couldn't measure up, but also, like, it just didn't ever... It's, like, a shirt that doesn't fit. Like, it just was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So, trying to let go of that and not worry about whether this outfit is feminine enough or whether it's, you know, what... It, you know, letting go of all of these rules has been really helpful. So, for me, diving into non-binary and a non-binary identity is about divesting from these, like the way we talk about gender and the way we think about it. And it's comfortable for me because then sometimes I'll be like getting dressed and I'm like, this is not working. And I'll realize I only think that because it's not, it doesn't line up to who I think I'm, the rules are for me. And the minute I go, Oh, I'm just leaning into like a more masculine space today, or it's just a more non-binary space today. All of a sudden that weight lifts. And I'm like, ah, great. Fashion changed it for me too, because, um, Growing up in whole in back home in Hawaii, you have you wear flowers all the time and you wear bright colors all the time. Yeah. It doesn't mean nothing. Yeah. Like everybody does that. Like, are you really gonna tell the that big ass Samoan dude <laughs> yeah. that like, yo, like, yo, why are you wearing a skirt? Your skirt's bro? Like, like, yeah, go yeah, ahead, yeah. bro. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Wish you would. And <laughs> I think that when I, cause that's really the culture that I got closest to outside of. Well, even then, it's interesting because my dad is. I, I told my dad one day that like. Yo, you keep saying, you know, because this was a, a while ago, and you keep saying, like, you know, well, what, you know, with this and this about white people, I'm like, yo, white's a concept that Europeans and Americans made. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know your culture. You're, we met your grandparents' cousins in Sweden. Yeah. You taught us Norse mythology when we were kids. Like, you, it was mythology, but regardless, you taught us Norse, Norse mythology. So, like, me, when I say, like, I'm not black, I don't say I'm black and white, I'm black and Swedish. Because, even though, you know, I, or, I, and then, then I met somebody from Sweden, he's like, oh, where are you from? And I was like, nope, okay, yeah. never mind. <laughs> I am Swedish descended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I had to change it, but, like, growing up in a black culture, you know, because my mom, even even if it was my dad being deployed, my mom, my mom basically raised me. And so, I got a black mom, my dad is Swedish descended, and I grew up in Hawaii. Hmm. And Hawaii is so different because it's the only place I've ever felt completely safe. Mm-hmm. And 
It's so it's so far out there, and it joined so late in the game. And we were taught that like, yo, you're on stolen land. Yeah. Actually, the Navy fucking stole this from Queen Lilikalani, and we know that you're a bunch of military kids, but like, fuck the military. Which is funny because like even now all my brothers are in the military at some point, and I was in in the army. And even now I'm like, yo, fuck the military. <laughs> but it's it's kind of the only way out for mm. a lot of people. Is like. I wasn't going to college. I couldn't afford college. And I was actually training to be a pastor. And I spent all my money at these two. Yeah. Where'd you go for school? Where'd you go? Lancaster Baptist. More smoke. Lancaster Baptist College. Uh-huh. And then Heartland, Bap- uh, Heartland Baptist Bible College. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck Heartland for sure. I'm sure. Yeah. That's a whole story I don't like telling online because, <laughs> like, the shit that that could open up is crazy. Um... Lancaster is a more, yo, recent, like, yo, fuck them. Mm-hmm. Just because I realized that they... How are you in California and you're, like, super anti, like, abortion and, like, anti-homo... Like, not anti-homophobia. That'd actually be kind of cool. But, like, you're super homophobic and you're super, like, anti all these things and you're in California. Well, I mean, like, Sean Fuchs is in the president's office praying over Trump. I mean, like, they're, they're California, too. You know, that's like... When you realize how big California really is, and how like, oh, well, it's the the liberal agenda, and you're like, yo, it's two cities. Yeah, yeah. It's San Francisco, we'll, we'll count Oakland, it's San Francisco and LA, like that's it, mm-hmm. and even not all of LA, if we're being completely real. Like, if we're being completely real, there's a lot of conservative-ass people in LA because they got money out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know... Well, I mean, like, I feel like I've lost the track of what we were talking about right before. You were talking about the military and... Oh, gender. We are talking about gender. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, like, the, so growing, up, ca- growing up in Hawaii, it, it does change because, like, when I start wearing florals here, they call me all sorts of things. We're, one particular word that nobody uses anymore, and I'm shocked how fast it's gotten out of, the, of American lexicon. Um, and they would say all these crazy things, and then when I joined the Army and I was... I kind of realized that that was like the culture that I was closest to because I was wearing board shorts still. Mm-hmm. I was wearing, you know, you know, all these like Hawaiian shirts and stuff. And I didn't realize how much I loved that until I went back one year and I was like, oh my God, this is where I'm supposed to be. And just kind of realizing that, you know, being around different artists and seeing different things and that, you know, through my military experiences and because it exposed me to a bunch of different people. I dated a Wicca girl, a Wiccan girl for a while. Mm-hmm. That was, and then I shouldn't have done it. Also, probably wasn't going to work because we were in the military anyway. But um, realizing that, like, yo, I let my beliefs, my religious beliefs that I didn't particularly believe break us up. Because mm. I was like, oh, I, I shouldn't be with a witch. And then it's like, no, that's not what this was. Mm. And kind of realizing a lot of these things. And I tell people, like, it took a long time for me to get to the point where I'm at now, which is pretty comfortable with myself. And even like the gender thing is like because somebody asked me like oh well how come why, why do you identify as a man I'm like honestly I don't really care the only thing like the things that I care about the, the things that affect me as far as me personally as far as being a man the most are like what I wear hmm. and I've heard musicians and artists say like oh I can wear women's clothes I can't bro like I'm just like I live too much for that, you know, so it's, it's things like that where it's like... Listen, there are some amazing plus-size women's, uh, like, like small drought companies. I just found this one that's great. It's like, 
full rainbow. It's like just so cool, and the like the profile is so vo- like voluminous. That's gonna be important as time goes. Clothing is the um, it's not the most important thing, but the culturally, I think clothing and fashion is going to be the most important thing for yeah. the gender movement. Mm-hmm. Because I think when you make, I think the only time that the gender thing makes sense is sizing. Mm-hmm. Because like, if you say a fi- like I wear a fifteen, but if you said like an eight and a half, like I, I the where I work now is like oh I wear an eight and a half in men's or women's. It doesn't really matter as far as the like clothing is unisex for the most part but the sizing i think is what's going to make you know when, when we can just go to unisex sizing whoever does that first is gonna hmm. it's gonna change things yeah it'll probably be independent yeah something artists too. yeah that's yeah. something too or you might get like a big luxury brand that like happens to really care to to do something artsy like that you know, I was just like really, a Louis Vuitton or a Balmain wouldn't surprise me. Like, oh, well, this collection is all unisex this oh, season. No, <laughs> they have too much at stake. You know, there's too much money. If they, they might do something artsy and weird just one time, and it's just like, oh, look how look how progressive we are, and it's like it's a four thousand yeah. dollar. I think though, dog, like, like the minute they do that, everybody should go. Okay, let's find the either queer or person of color or indigenous person who actually did this first. And tell Louis Vuitton to go fuck themselves. Because, like, it's not going to be theirs. It's going to be... No. Like, Cisco, across the way, who you're going to interview, Cisco makes gender-neutral fantastic. He's a designer. They're a designer. And, um... Uh... Uh... And they deserve the credit for it. You know, they're yeah. they're building this thing. I think sports, too, is also going to change that because they're still... Uh, the non-binary... The non-binary thing that I've seen that causes the most issue in sports... Is when I don't know how to say it, when feminine athletes come out as trans because they go by they them. A lot of people think, well, wait, how come a dude is playing sports? And it's like women's okay. sports. Yeah. yeah, and it's like there's sports is so far behind on like mm-hmm. on gender. Just like, can we pay women equally? Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, like Brittany Griner should not be in Russia right now at all. And the reason why I say this because she shouldn't have to go play in another league to make money for herself yeah. and her family. Yeah. Um, but, like, I think that's another thing that's super far behind. Also, a lot of that, a lot of that, like, fear from people about, oh, there's, there's a, somebody who was, who was assigned male at birth, uh, who's now trans and playing women's sports, right? There's, those cases are, there's not, there's not that many of them. Yeah. And when you start to look at the data, my understanding is that it's, they don't. They're not like blowing the competition. Although it's not like um, wh- people sort of spin up this idea, and it's all founded on this idea that like, oh, men are just inherently stronger, faster than women. But that has that's actually has a lot to do with how you're socialized growing up and things yeah, like that. Yeah, and even that, like, and they always take the weirdest comparison. They're like, so wait, you're telling me that Le- like if you put LeBron James, it's like, okay, hold on. LeBron James is a 20-year NBA vet who hasn't been able to be covered by the best athletes on the planet. Right. Yes, he would shit on whatever sport he played. And he's had the advantage of playing against all of these other players who are at the top of their game. Yeah. Right? For 20 years. And so, like, for for 20 years, but also, like, when when they're little. Yeah. You know what I mean? Dude and came so out, women dude are... Dude came out in high school. Yeah. Came out of the league in high school. Like. Right. And so I think that there's... People sort of assume... 
it's this big difference, but I'm like, well, yeah, but, but what are the opportunities that people are afforded before they get, you know Basketball what I mean? Is like fairly even. And he's not trans, so it doesn't matter. Does right. It? That's my favorite <laughs> it doesn't too. doesn't matter. That's it's not a real too. example. Like, Why yeah. are we dealing with that right now? You know and what I mean? I think basketball is pretty good because I've noticed that like, there's a lot of respect from the men's game to the women's game. Mm. Um, a lot of NBA players talk very highly about the WNBA. The only controversy I've seen was with Brittany Griner just because <laughs> the basketball faux pas of saying that, like, oh, I locked this person up. And mm-hmm. the, like, the dude that she mentioned was like, no, nah, you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And then they asked him later, he's like, yo, He's like, I wouldn't say that anybody would lock me up. You kidding me? He's like, I'm in a contract year, bro. I'm not mm-hmm. going to tell you who can stop me from scoring. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, yo, when I retire, I'll tell you who can stop me. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But I think that's the thing, so too. So could you imagine like, if there was, like, people who were going to do, a, like, a UFC fight, and they're like, don't put me up against that guy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, that was, like, I remember the, the, the fucking dumbest thing. And that, this is when I was pretty much done with ESPN outside of, like, are you actively showing me sports right now? Um, oh, that's not important. But when they're like, who would win in a fight? Ronda Rousey or Floyd Mayweather? I'm like, oh my God, please don't do this shit. This is the dumbest argument in sports history. Right. Who would win between two athletes who don't compete in the same sport? Mm-hmm. Because, and I was like, dude, what the fuck are we doing this for? Who would win, a crocodile or a shark? It's like, That's a more fun argument. I'm down with that argument. Like, yeah, but it's the same. It's essentially reducing... It's and it and don't even get into like it's reducing athletes into like a very tiny little box yeah. that doesn't take into account now anything like, other than now if you're like who would win in a foot race I'm like okay yeah now let's do that that's weird yeah. <laughs> I mean like like who would win driving it like racing cars like sure right. like if the, but without any sort of tangible anything like yeah what, what the fuck are we doing now can I take us back to uh, something you mentioned earlier yes I've got a piece about it really yeah yeah. yeah. So you were talking about... Um, I love how the universe eventually drags yeah. me back to what the subject is of yeah, the podcast. Yeah, yeah. That's why I say it's a kickback, because like whatever happens, just let it go. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to talk about them, but you know, we just kept going. And So you were talking about your cousin, right? And this past yeah. was like it was in your hand, right? Yeah. So this piece here, what you're seeing here against my wall is scraps from... Um, yeah, I saw someone on, over there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a printing frame. So, so for me, I do photography... Um, and my photography is, I work in 4x5, which is this giant camera here. It's okay. a film process. I process my film oh, nice. here. I scan it. Um, and, uh, and then I also work in alternative processes. So one of those processes is called cyanotype. And it's a, essentially a photograph you make with ultraviolet light. Oh. Yeah. So you have, like, you mix this chemistry together and then you apply it to a surface. And then you can put a negative on top of that, put it in the sun, and you're making a print. So it's kind of like people huh. can you could equate it to something like screen printing like yeah, I mentioned sort of, yeah. something similar to that but but this process is from like the 1800s and it's um like one of the reasons blueprints are blue is because this process oh, okay. yeah. was like the first method we had for quick photographic printing yeah and uh and so then it became used for things like blueprints where you could make schematics exact replica drawings oh, of something that, makes that could go to multiple people yeah so a really cool art form i learned how to do it in college and um and so i'm working on this piece that's about the experience of feeling responsible for somebody's eternity um i had this friend who i grew up with who I, my family was really close with her and she was not a christian 
And so from the time I was like five until I was about 15, I prayed this prayer every night that she would get saved, right? Yeah. And I prayed it every night because, and it became this kind of like obsessive thing because I, at some point it became, I can't sleep because if I don't pray it and this is the one that matters, it'll be my fault and her blood will be on my hands basically, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was praying for this girl for 10 years, the same prayer every night, um, couldn't sleep, couldn't function if I didn't, felt horribly guilty about it. And her life continued to get darker and more difficult and more like just tragic the longer things went on. And, um, and I had to really wrestle with this experience of being like, what, if you're a loving God, if you're a, if, if you want people to get saved and I'm pray, I'm out here praying this prayer every night no matter what what's the holdup why why is it not happening what's the problem here and eventually i just stopped right like eventually i think around the time i was 15 or 16 i was like there was a lot of trauma and i was exposed to a lot of stuff at a young age because of the nature of her life and where she was and and i finally was like god i can't do this anymore you got to find somebody else like i can't i can't keep doing this Um, and so I stopped and I sort of carried that story with me for a long time. And all of my work now, like my work in progress is about leaving religion because it caused a really huge rift in my family. Um, and I only left about four years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So for me, like I'm still picking up the pieces and sort of sorting through what happened. I'm estranged from my family. We don't speak and... Um, uh, even like my name is a name that I chose in the aftermath. Like it's, it's a really, um, strange place to be in. And so I want, I'm started making work about leaving religion, about things that like the effect religion has on people, on me. Um, and so I started making this piece that I begged you to save her piece. So I'm printing this phrase. I begged you to save her. Each one will be about two inches tall. Um, 3,650 times, which is as many times as I yeah. prayed this prayer, right? Um, and so when it's done, it should be about two football fields yep. long. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a it's a massive undertaking. Um, I'll pull it down and show it to you before you leave. But it's that's that is my prototype up there. But I chose the oh words, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. so that's just a prototype because I was testing papers and stuff. But I chose those words. I begged you to save her because I was dealing with like do I you know do I like write the prayer verbatim you know and then I think as stuff started to really get real around um like the eminence of Roe v. Wade being turned over and in the aftermath of the most recent school shooting in Texas like this feeling it was a similar feeling of being like, what do we have to do to get somebody to listen? Right. I think as a mom, as a woman, like I was talking to my partner one night and I was like, am I supposed to go light myself on fire in front of the Capitol? Like we've had three years of protests. Mm -hmm. We've had more schools. Like the next leading country in school shootings has eight school shootings. Eight. We're in like 200 something. You know, and I just was like, am I supposed to go light myself on fire? Like, what am I supposed to do to get anybody's attention? 
on any of these issues? What are we supposed to do? I think the whole thing is that, like, we all know it exists and no one cares. Not no one cares. The people who care are not going to stop caring, but the people who don't care are not going to stop being in power. So the kind of the kind of the way that I saw it was, where do I go now? Yeah, I mean it's they're solidifying power. It's not about they don't they don't care, and so they they're just not doing anything. I think, you know, it's I mean it's full on conspiracy theorists. I have to think it, but I I think it's intentional at this point. I don't I don't see how it wouldn't be. My theory is, and the, it, it hit me because I got some friends overseas. She said, she's from uh, the UK, and she, I was like, oh, hey, what's up? And, you know, I haven't talked to you for a while. She's like, oh, yeah, my bad. I uh, took a, I took a trip to Spain. And I was like, oh, my God, how was that? She's like, oh, it was, it was okay, you know, just, we do it every couple of weeks. I'm like, every couple of weeks, what are you <laughs> talking about? And she's like, oh, yeah, Spain's only like, you know, it's a weekend trip for us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit, that's LA for me. And then I looked at a map, and in the United States is the size of Europe. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I didn't realize but that. But skinny, I mean, like, but only in, like, you know, when you have, like, height. But Unless you're including something like, like, like Northern Europe, right? Are you talking about... Yeah, no, no, like, like the continent of Europe outside of, like, Russia, because Russia throws yeah. everything off. But... Well, they're Asia. But only half. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right, like, all right. It's yeah, weird, yeah, like, yeah. like, Russia throws everything off, yeah. but, like, I'm looking at it, and I'm like... So the other day, because I, I have, I, my, my theory is that America's not going to, like, break down into, like, Mad Max. Mm. Even though the Mad Max fan in me is like, yo! Mm. <laughs> like, we're going to have to Thunderdome, bro? <laughs> like, you know. But that's not what I think is actually going to happen. I looked up all the um, separatist movements in North America. Mm. Holy shit, dude. People are sick of it. And it's too big. It's too big it's to manage too, I it. think that's what's going to happen. I think yeah. it's going to break down into, you're going to have California. You're going to have, you know, Oregon and, you know, parts of, parts of mm-hmm. like, BC. Excuse me, BC and, like, Washington and California. You're going to have, like, basically the Confederacy. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're going to have stuff like that. I think it's going to break apart. Yeah. I think, honestly. And everybody's like, well, like, what if another civil war happens? Well... It turns into Europe. How many wars has Europe had throughout the years? And I think mm-hmm. it's just going to turn into Europe. I think it's going to be a bunch of these smaller countries, and I think that's what's going to end up happening probably in the next fifty years or so. I mean, honestly, it would it would it would um, yeah. I mean, I don't think that the whole country <laughs> turns into this like dystopia. No, no, no. I know. I I think that I think that's a very hopeful perspective, right? Because um, I, I, during the protest in 2020, I got really sick and I was, um, I was bedridden and we didn't know what was going on. And I thought I was dying for a little bit. Right. And I have two kids and there, it was difficult. Right. Cause at the, at that time it felt like we hit the boiling point and there was, you know, like they're pulling people off the street. The president's gassing people in front of the white house. Yeah. Like it kind of felt like we had, we were there and, um, unfortunate i think the, i think the moment might have been missed but at the same time it was really scary and because i didn't know if i was gonna live um you know i had this i was creating this series called hold me um and it was sort of a love letter to my children and my partner about my like my worries for them in in the idea that maybe i wouldn't be there to help yeah 
But then also I was juxtaposing this idea of like an internal bodily systematic failure and betrayal against what we were seeing in our country and what I think, you know, so many people have been seeing for so long and people like me just hadn't, didn't understand, you know, we didn't, we weren't paying attention well enough. And, um, and so I just, you know, I, at that time that was really frightening and my partner and I were like, you know, I'm, I already said, I don't, I'm not, uh, I'm not a fan of guns, but there was this like, do we buy a gun? What does it look like? What's our responsibility here? If this does turn into something really, um, serious and really like defending, you know, like, (laughs) well, that was the thing that like, when it hit me that like I served, I was in the military. I'm fourth generation military. My whole family is military. And hold on, hold on. Anyway. Okay. So, yeah, um, I'm military, mm-hmm. and I'm fortunate, like, we have a lot of that in our family, and I'm still at the point where I'm, like, I'm bouncing. Mm-hmm. If shit happens, and people are like, wait, you would really leave the country? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. When, yeah. The only place that I would go in the country at this point is probably Hawaii. Yeah. Maybe L.A. I might be okay in L.A. for a little bit, but, like, that world's big out there, man, and, like... Yeah, we talk about leaving a lot, too. There's a perfectly good Tokyo... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, have you been to Tokyo? It's yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yo, this is this place is fucking sick, man. Yeah. Wait, you're just telling me that I have to slightly change the plug for my Xbox, and that's the extent of that? Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I just came back from a trip to France, and I was like, I, I want to go to Marseille. I, I really, really want to go yeah, to Marseille. I wasn't there, but I hear it's beautiful. They, apparently, they're like super cool with immigrants because it's a port city that's had immigrants for like mm-hmm. 500 years, so the whole city's just like, fuck it, whatever. I mean, every country has their own issues, right? Like, uh, because of France's positioning, there's a lot of anti-Islamic stuff going on. And it's like, I mean, like, uh, they just had an election and the the opponent to the incumbent was this woman who was, like, super anti-Muslim, like, sort of like the Trumpian candidate. And, um, And so, like, everybody has their issues, but I had to go to the doctor while I was there and it cost me 25 euros to see the doctor, period. And that's only because I'm not a citizen. So yeah. I just don't get free healthcare. But it was $25. And then they gave me like eight prescriptions and I went to the store and it was again like 25 bucks for me yeah. to get my meds. And it was like a bunch of stuff. With no good RX and all With this nothing. Stuff. I yeah. had to do nothing. Yeah. And I was like, you know, and they, their school shooting and like their, like the way they handle climate and even like the cleanliness of the city. You know, every city has its spots, but like, I lived in Manhattan at one point, and one time I was walking down the street, and this <laughs> this girl goes, this is a garbage city, and it made me laugh, you know, because I wanted to be like, people save their whole lives. Yeah. They save their whole lives to come here for a weekend just to see it, you know? But at the same time, New York is absolutely disgusting. Like, it's just disgusting all the time. Tokyo's so the cleanest place I've ever yeah, been Yeah, and so you think about, like, Paris, or and Paris isn't even as clean as something like Tokyo, where you're like... Holy cow. There's a way to administrate, like, for the government to actually, you know. At this point, the only (laughs) things I'm looking up, like, for a country now, I'm like, can I smoke weed there? How do they treat black people? Solid question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, and honestly, those two two things kind of go hand in hand. So I'm like, so, like, one of my friends in the UK, she's, she's, she calls me up and she goes, I wonder if she's listening. If you are listening, you know who you are. And shout out to you for asking this question because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's awesome. She goes, 
so when are we having kids? I'm like, excuse me? She's like, well, if you want citizenship, we need to have a kid. I'm like, this is true. And this is how my brain was working. Yeah. Oh, damn, she's right. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, there's other steps. And I was like, but it, and like the fact that people are even thinking like, yo, I got friends in America. How can I get them here? Yeah. I've looked at Australia too. Apparently Australia is. Yeah, New Zealand. I've heard good things about New Zealand too. Yeah, I came across this TikTok recently of a girl who's in Britain and she was like, I think we maybe should stop making fun of America. She's like, because we've all been kind of like, oh my God, you know, how to get that bad. We've all been kind of like punching, but now it's starting to feel like punching down because like, and she was saying, she was like, I don't have to worry about my kids at school. I don't have to worry about my reproductive freedom. I don't have to worry about, you know, all these things. And I'm sitting in the thing being like, yep. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I'm sending my kids to public school this year, and I hate that every day. I feel like, yeah. God, I hope they come home. You know, it's, that's yeah. living daily. And again, like, <laughs> there are so many people in the country who have already been doing this. But for me, it's a recent thing where I've been like, shit, I really hope they come home. Yeah. That was something in my, my, the first day of school, again, um, actually it was the first day of school, bomb threat. Yeah. I grew up on a military base. I didn't have to worry about that shit. Yeah. And like, yo, am I going to have to knuckle up with somebody? And hey, am I going to hear something crazy mm-hmm. today? Am I going to? Yeah. And looking back, I didn't realize how much I had let go. Mm-hmm. Like, I let a lot of shit go that like 20, 2022 Braven probably would have gotten expelled for fighting everybody that said anything sideways to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, but like I, at the time I was, it was that kind of like Christian love of like, no, you let this go. And now I'm realizing like, dude, there's a lot of fucked up shit there. There's a lot of things that I'm like, this is not fly with me. And I think mm-hmm. what helped my mom. Too, In what context? Where is there? I missed your. Just the. Okay. Leaving Christianity and realizing how many traditional values I also left behind because there was traditional being from the 1950s. Keep going. Yeah. 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 I put the, I put the quotes up, but this is an yeah, audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're it's in the not, audio realm. You're not going to see this shit. It's just the product of marketing. Well, actually, no, 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 you know what? Let, let's, let's discuss that. Yeah. It is traditional to the States. Yeah, but even like because if you went to because I got people I got I got friends all over the world I got homies in Africa mm-hmm. I got homies in Australia I got homies in Canada I got homies in uh, England England Great Britain they're they, they're British but like you know that's a whole different thing I learned about a couple mm-hmm. years ago um, I got homies all over their traditions are not our traditions right. unfortunately violence and racism is an american tradition absolutely yeah i wasn't talking about that and so like that's the thing that sucks though is like even realizing something like yeah, that yeah, that yeah. like you know, i wasn't my brother who's like the only traditional thing i like is buffalo wings mm. and i was like that's pretty funny yeah because yeah, you know yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. do you want traditional or boneless he's like listen man there's one tradition i'm gonna stick with <laughs> and my dad was giving me a hard time because he's like you can't stand america Except for Team USA basketball and track. And I was like, like, you don't even... soul food, but keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Southern Southern food. Yeah, yeah. I I, I really want that Gus's. I really want to go to Gus's. Even though I was just there like two weeks ago. We were at a restaurant recently and they had had greens, but they had cooked them. You know, because I come from Virginia, right? So like, it's not sound... What part? Like, 
Uh, I grew up in Northern Virginia. In fact, when we were talking about school shootings and stuff like that, I I was going to school uh, during the DC Sniper stuff. So Yo, it was like, get okay. in the building fast, like all that stuff. But I for, people forget about that. That was yeah, like right after yeah. like anthrax and 9 11 was that like was, maybe a year yeah before. that was a that was a it, yeah it actually was right around uh like either the year before or the year of 9 11 um because i was only at that school for two years but the <laughs> i was stationed in newport news that's why I said oh, okay that. yeah so, so richmond yeah. is where i went to school i went to school at virginia commonwealth university shout out to richmond for having a bunch of cool concerts richmond there. has the coolest culture i love richmond a lot of really back. cool concerts and like just weird events that yeah are, they're great yeah it also is a great art scene the museum i could talk about richmond forever yeah, shout- go to richmond um but richmond has its issues right and in, in it's the literal capital of the confederacy <laughs> yeah so so we had moved here during the pandemic so all virginia is weird because it's not quite east coast and it's not quite southern virginia it's like is this like mix half, right? of like yeah it's, it's because weird. North virginia is dc right exactly right? yeah and so i grew up Basically, I tell people I'm from like 30 minutes west of DC. Yeah, like Arlington or uh, what's the other one? There's a there's a music group that I really like that's from that area. Um, They're called Red Gold Green. They do like reggae, but there's also punk and like Cedarville, Fairfax. It's not Fairfax. It's um, I I can't remember. I'll 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 look it up afterwards. It's not Manassas. It's not Manassas. Manassas. Um, so, (laughs) so. Uh, so you're closer to like DMV, Maryland, than yeah, yeah. But I, but that's I, I grew up there, but then I was in Richmond for ten years. So oh, I yeah, school in Richmond, and then I stayed different. there. So like I, I, I feel like I'm from Richmond, um, because I had no love for the part of Virginia that I came from. That's fair. Um, but in especially because Rich- DC yeah. and like Arlington, two very different places. Very different. Like in the city of DC, it's cool. I like DC yeah, a lot. Yeah, DC's great. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Clyde's uh, the the crab cake. Yeah, yeah, the crab cakes, bro. Yeah, Those yeah. are so good. Clyde's is yum. Clyde's is yummy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So I so uh, but my my grandmother's from Georgia and like dirt floor poor Georgia. So I have okay. so like I have some like I really love southern food and so this person they this restaurant they made greens but they were sweet. Yo, what? I was like. And I didn't, I was like, oh, they made me like a maple glaze. It might be, I thought it was going to be like a sa- sweet, savory thing. And so my partner took a bite and he was like, no, mm-mm-mm. And he's from North, North Carolina. I was just going to ask. And again, <laughs> like, like in Appalachia. So like there's not. Oh no. We're very protective of the food. And so I was like, Valid. it can't be that That's bad. It can't, it can't be that bad. That's I took a fair. bite and I was like, these people do not know what a green is. Like they had no idea. I was like, you, this person grew up somewhere not. All, it's, it's funny because like, all no the. Idea. All the seasoning jokes is like, oh, you know, yeah, my yeah, people yeah. don't season their food. The second that you cross into like North Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, South mm-hmm. Carolina, those jokes are out the window. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like no, 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 no. Everybody in the here knows how to cook. <laughs> okay, so that's not my life though, because my mom's from the Midwest. So like, so oh I no, knew, <laughs> but like also, so like, so, uh, but I had this great one of my one of my really good friends who's an incredible artist. She's a black woman. Her name's Alana Aratim. She's in Tempe. Not Tempe, Tucson. She and I were joking one day, and uh, I I made some joke about, oh, I know what it was. I, we were talking about, we talked about this a lot, like, leaving Christianity is difficult is, because... Is it a similar situation with her? Uh, no, 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 no. But we had, we talk about racism, Christianity, yeah. religion a lot. We talk about this stuff a lot. Our work sort of has, she's a photographer. We have similar okay, cool. interests in our work. and um, And we were talking about it. And one of the recurring things we talk about is about re- appropriation. And, you know, I, 
one thing that's really weird is that when you leave Christian religion, like uh, white evangelicalism, um, it becomes really apparent just how much of culture is informed by religion. And yes. then you have to do, and so like, but my religious culture is built on the backs of what we've already talked about, yeah. right? So like uh, people, human trafficking and torturing yeah. people, you know? So, so in leaving that, I have to go, what do I, what do I grab onto? What am I actually that's allowed to do? That's what my dad touch? was having an issue with. And that's yeah. why I said, bro, we met your family in Sweden, yeah. dog. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. And so I was, and, and what's really interesting is, so I have like French German descent, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you look at like the conquest of the church over the history of the world, <laughs> right? Like there was a culture that was taken over and colonized way before people came to America. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so there's all of this like folklore and stuff that we just don't have access to because it was wiped out by the church. Yeah. And so it's been interesting to be like, how do you gather? How do you like get hold of, uh, you know, and I, it's not like I could go there and be like, so, you know, like, Hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm German now. You know what I mean? I was I'm not. talking to one of my friends in South Africa about that because when, what she was telling me, was like, yeah, in America, you're African American here. You're American. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's interesting because, like, I mean, at the same time, some of the coolest interactions I've ever had with black people were overseas. Yeah. Right? It was just like, oh, man, like, we're, like, they're, the brotherhood of, well, I don't even want to say brotherhood, just, you know, because I don't want to be, just like the, the family of, Mm -hmm. you go to Tokyo and you see someone with box braids and you, like, kind of, like, that low key, like, you see each other, yeah. And you throw it up and they throw it back and you're like, I'm in fucking Tokyo. How do they know? Yeah, how do yeah, they know? Yeah, and it's just like, it's it's yeah. wild. And I think that's the, everyone has those those conversations of like, you know, the arguments of like, oh, you know, stovetop or baked. You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah, macaroni yeah, and cheese. Yeah, yeah. And when I lived in Virginia, it was actually a, uh, one of my one of my friends who kind of, changed me on the south because like i always thought like the south you know i'm from the west coast so mm-hmm. the south you know they're all fucking stupid down there all yeah, they yeah, do yeah. is football but they make food good and then when i lived out there and kind of realizing it's such a weird dichotomy because like you'll see like the black dudes and the white dudes do the same thing like seeing a black dude in cowboy boots i'm like Yo, what the fuck <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like stuff like that and like it's that they do the same thing and sometimes they'll hang out at the same places and then there's just like that code of like this is where we stop. Yeah. There's but, also sometimes, sometimes when you get into, when you get onto the East Coast, you're getting into like the oldest parts of America, right? That's true. So sometimes I think that's why Hawaii and California are so cool to me is because yeah. like, I think sometimes it's interesting too, because there's, um, there's overlap, there's class overlap there too, right? Because I think once you get out of, when we think about, when we think about like slavery, right? That, right. that we could have a whole conversation about like prison, things like that. But like, when we get out of, yeah. like, when we think about what we think about when, like, history teaches about slavery. Um, here, let me plug it in for you. Uh, yeah, for sure. I won't, the mic won't be behind. So no, no, the mic is separate. Mic is, uh, yeah. that's. Yeah. No, no, I mean, I'm behind, so I won't finish my sentence while I'm back here, because it'll be, like, this weird. It's still kind of picking you up, yeah. which is funny. That's all right. Um, Hi, Leo. Everything is good, man. We promise. When you get, when you get, when you get out of that, right, then you have, like, the, you have, um, like, Rock poor work. farmers working side by side and so mm-hmm. while there's uh so much to unpack there there is some like class understanding at some point and so you have overlap that's where you get the food and the seasoning and things like that because they were all living mm-hmm. you know especially like in louisiana which is interesting like louisiana yeah. i've always 
heard pretty good things about but i think it is i i think that's the most interesting thing that i learned about the south was like it's a very it's different culturally and so it's a me, whole different country realizing that as an outsider yeah and i was like oh i'm not from here this is not my I, i'm an outsider here and it made things a lot easier and it wasn't even like a fear or anything it was just mm-hmm. like oh this isn't my culture and kind of like with that appropriation i think that's what's interesting too is like like that's what the hilarious thing about juneteenth is to me because i remember living in texas as a little kid and hearing about juneteenth my mom's like i don't know what that is don't talk. my mom's from chicago though yeah it was a, and it was her high, mom's yeah. from tennessee yeah that was a very south texas thing houston mm-hmm. thing and honestly my theory of what made that pop off childish gambino talked about it in an episode of atlanta oh, which yeah. is funny because he's from georgia yeah and it kind of became like a de facto black thing the same way that like Cinco de Mayo is a Mexican thing which yeah. like I guess yeah I but like living in the south like we like I heard of some people doing it because they're from Houston mm-hmm. or they're from Port Arthur or something like that so I think it's very interesting like that appropriation we appropriate from within our own country mm-hmm. you know of like and, and that is it's funny to me coming from Hawaii it's so yeah. funny to me to see like that when in Hawaii, the Aloha shirt is just a shirt. Out here, you're either like some really laid back surfer dude or you are Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, so it makes me think, so like just that conversation I was having with my friend Alana, we, we were talking about it and I was like, you know, I feel like in some ways, uh, like uh, white people, right? It's kind of like being a hunger ghost. Oh, you right? pronounce you pronounce it the right way too. White. <laughs> white. Uh, yeah, because it, like well, I you love that. I, know, I love saying yeah. like that. It's so it's funny. It's also right? dumb, right? It's also it's just it only exists because we're talking about it, and and because it's been it's been like baked in. But yeah. there's not. I mean, like we're you and I are humans, right? And and so one of the things that's really interesting to look at as somebody who has left their religion who's who's like descent doesn't have great documentation about their like original traditions and ideas yeah. right i can't go back to that right i was like i think i think that you could really consider white people to be to be like hunger ghosts because at some point anything that was like old was stripped out and then they kind of started taking over everywhere else yeah. and so like her people hurt people and so they started taking everybody else's stuff because somebody a long time ago took their stuff. That was the illest thing I realized about being black was like, that's why I don't say I'm African American. And it's not because I'm not proud of, you know, that heritage, but I have no connection to it. Mm-hmm. So like, I got African American homies. Yeah, yeah. I got two right now that I can think of. Yo, shout out to you two. Shout out to uh, Liberia and shout out to uh, Rwanda. Shout out to both y'all. But like, like, that's where they're from. Yeah. And they know that. They know that for sure because they were either kids when they left or their parents are from there. Amazing. And so, like, for them it's different. But, like, when I realized that, no, 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 I'm black. Mm-hmm. Because I was born in America. I'm, an, I'm I am American. But my culture created. Right. You know? like Yeah, it's very, it exists because of the and thing. And I think that's what, when people realize that, like, the freedom of having nothing. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean in an economical sense. But I, the freedom of, like, who am I? Yeah. You tell me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we're seeing that a lot with... Um, that's the most exciting thing to me that I've seen about, like, a lot of the queer movements is people are deciding, like, no, 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 my name's not this. My name is this. Call me this. hmm And, like, cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's cool. 
my only question all the time has ever been, how did you come up with this name? And nine times out of ten is, is I like it. Mm-hmm. Works for me. That's how I got mine. Yeah. I just wanted it. I just wanted, like, you know, I just, I like stories. So I yeah. just want to hear the story behind it. And I think that's the thing that's most interesting is, like, when people start choosing what their identity is. Example, if you look me up online, I don't use my last name. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I have beef with my family. It's not nothing like that. It's quite the opposite. It's that my family is doing things that are, um, that may be sensitive to some of the outspokenness that I have. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even going to drop my name there. Yeah. Because why would I? And I told my, my, my dad noticed it one time. And he was like, yo, why don't you use your last name on any of this? I'm like, because anything I say should not be held against you. Yeah. That's super fucked. I super, I super get it because so my family, you know, my dad's still a pastor and I make work about my experience in religion, yeah. which they're involved in, you know, like that's my whole family. It was our whole life growing up. And, uh, and there's a lot of other things that went on. Like I was, my dad started stalking me at one point online and all this stuff. And so I changed my name cause I was like, uh, I needed to get away from the story and the abusers who were part of that name, like who shared the name in my yeah. family. And then I also needed to get away from my dad when he wouldn't leave me alone. And then I also needed something that I could use my name and not worry that I was, you know, cause it, cause I don't really give a shit. Like I, what, when I was in school studying photography, the, um, the thing that like totally changed my life and is the reason I am the person I am today is I had this professor who said fear is the beacon. And so I started following that in my creative work, which was anytime it felt uncomfortable or risky or um, incriminating <laughs> to make the thing. Incriminating is the only thing where I'm like, all right, hold on, listen. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like in, so, in some ways, right? But like, Yeah, sometimes, yeah. But also I think when you think about art as social movement, progressive movement, political movement, like it can be incriminating, right? There's lots of artists who have been blacklisted or things like that. Charlie Chaplin was blacklisted for being a communist, right? Oh like my God, yes, he was. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Yes, that happened. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, I mean like uh, being, it's it's incriminating to be an artist. And I started... One of my favorite groups, they are always in, in a uh, pussy riot. Yeah. They are always getting arrested. I'm like, damn, again? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, so for me, I was like, Okay, fear is the beacon. So I move toward the thing that I, that that I don't that I have resistance to, and um, and what it it became how I lived my life. Yeah. And so everything from you know my partner and I because we were both in the church. We got married at like twenty three. We had a baby by twenty four. We had a house in the suburbs. Oh, two you cars. did it right. We did the whole thing. Yeah. Um. And and one night. We, we also thought that there was some things in place that ended up not applying, right? And it's it's a it's a long story, mm-hmm. so I just have to stay vague with it. But basically, yeah, no, 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 I, I wouldn't want to push you on that anyway. Yeah, but basically, I mean, I, I'm an open book, but for the purposes of our story, right yeah, now, no, no, I got you, I got you. We we made the decision with some parameters in place that ended up not being parameters that were that applied, and so. Uh, one night, right after we first started smoking weed, we were laying in bed. And, <laughs> yeah, and uh, we have two kids. It's like I have a, a under one year old and a two and a three year old, and um, oh, they're new. They're they, new. Yeah, and we're laying there, and and we start talking about how if we had known all of the details, all of the information, if we had had, if we had known everything that we knew then, we would not have picked that life. And so I was like, okay, kind of three, like, 
if you could live anywhere, where would it be? And we both said shitty Manhattan apartment. And so in three months, we sold our house, our cars, most of our stuff, and we moved to New York in a fourth floor walk up with our one year old and our three year old. Uh, Do they remember that? Maybe not your one year old, but. My oldest has vague memories, I think. Uh, he was attacked by a dog while we lived there, and so that's a great story. And uh, and so he remembers that. <laughs> he remembers. It's gonna come back to him. Like, did we live in Manhattan? Yeah. Am I dreaming? No, he knows. That? Like... <laughs> he knows. Um, and there's other things about it. You know, it's hard to live in Manhattan and not have formative experiences, right? Like we would we walked uh, up Central Park and looked at all the balloons inflated for the parade the night before. You know, for so it's like it's pretty formative. Um, but my brother's trying to move to New York. Um, I love it. I love it. He's trying to go to NYU, actually. Yeah. And I think that that... I'm excited. Just hearing stuff like that, it, like, you know, it's hard not to have formative experience. Cool. That's It's awesome. an amazing That's place awesome. to be. And we only left um, because we were living in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, like, my subway stop was Times Square. So it was in... We were in the middle oh, of it. Oh, yo, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah we I've been there the once or twice. It. Yeah, that's... And, uh, and so we loved it. there. Yeah, we loved it, and um, and yeah, it was really good food. Really. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, and we every were time my brother floor. comes back, he's like, "Dude, you've really got it." I'm like, "Yeah, ah. yeah, it's so good. I can make some organizations." But so, but we were living like it was it was the best. It was the best. That's where I I left religion in that environment. Like I I figured out that I was in a cult in the middle of that city, and um, and partially because I was exposed to so much. So thousand, just that so was, many people from yeah. so many places. That and was you're the like, army for me. It was when you realize how many people are out there. Oh my god. Yeah. And and that the brand of Christianity that I was in, which was a really like reformed, evangelical, think like Mark Driscoll, think all of that, like. Uh, how do we feel about Dave Ramsey? I, oh uh, yeah. I'm gonna take that. Yeah. And I'm just gonna set it over here. <laughs> He's kind of terrible. So I was living in New York, and I was like, <laughs> and I left my there. But like we, I mean, it was amazing. Like we would, we were on the top floor of our building, so we would, we would put our kids to bed, and then we would take the baby monitor with us up on the roof, and we'd smoke weed and look at the city yeah. lights. You know what I mean? It was like amazing, and you're right in the middle, right in the middle of it. But it was intense being there. So we moved out to try to save some money so we could move to an outer borough. And the pandemic happened in that year. Oh wait, this is recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we moved here. We so. Where would like, you have gone? Like Queens? Uh, probably out? Brooklyn. Brooklyn? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's hard to think about moving anywhere in the city because you start running into, like, you start running into the gentrification conversation really fast, but also, like, it's impossible to make enough money in New York to live yeah. in the places where you wouldn't be doing that, right? Yeah. And so it's kind of like, my partner's a software engineer, and so you're like, I don't want to put anybody out of the house, I don't want to contribute, but I also, like, I want my kids to be able to walk outside and go to the playground without... You know, that's a really tough conversation that we're hard. all going to have to collectively deal with as like a society here in like yeah. three years. Yeah. So we were so we were looking because there's at, one like, thing to, with what I'd really rather see than gentrification is restoration. Well, that's what the hive's about, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah me yeah. and Camille talked about that yeah, uh, the yeah, other yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, because she lives here. She's lived here for for a long time. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it it so we but we never got to really figure that out because. While we were living, we were back in Virginia for a year. The pandemic happened, and about a week into the pandemic, I was like, um, talking to my partner, and this is another story about that, like, fear is the beacon thing, and I was just like, this isn't going to be two weeks, which is what we were all being told, and I was like, and we can't send our kids to school on Monday. 
So we got to we got to get. Told us it was two weeks. Yeah, I was like, we got. I mean, it's, it's two years, man. I was like, we got to get out of here. And so, uh, in three days, I packed up our whole apartment. We left Virginia on a Friday. We drove. We raced the shutdown. So like, as we would leave a state, they would issue, like, an, a quarantine status. And so it felt very Mad Max. We were like racing to get to Arizona before we weren't supposed to be driving. Oh yeah, because you couldn't that you couldn't um, fly out. Those yeah, airports yeah. We were to, shut we down. We had to drive. Yeah, well, and we had all of our stuff, right? Because we knew we were yeah. going. So it was like I drove the truck, and my partner had the kids in the car, and we drove from Virginia to Phoenix, um, in three days, and then we stayed with my in-laws in Sun City for. Yeah, I was wondering months. how Arizona. That makes sense. That's Sun City. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how we we had just visited. So in you're January. brand brand, brand new. new. Okay, yeah. okay. Brand new, and so that's how I. I mean, like. So oh, that's why you don't know about the food or anything here. Oh, I got you. Yeah, Let's go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why I was like, I don't know where, you know, where you're from is. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 So where I went to high school. So my parents got here in 2008 because of um, the recession. Not really. Not really. Just the recession. Yeah. My pops asked, like, hey, you know, my mom was kind of. When did you go to college? Or you didn't, you didn't go to college, but when did you leave your, no, your home? No, no, no. When did you, like, graduate high school? Well, I graduated high school. Okay, yeah, I graduated in 09. Okay. Oh, we could have gone to San Francisco. All right, cool. Um, so, 2012, so my family gets here in 2008 because um, my mom wanted to change. There's a lot of things. Recently, I, I realized some things. My mom was scared of the schools mm-hmm. because at the time, Hawaii was 50th and 49th in education. I told her my mom the scores the other day of like how high Hawaii Hawaii is now. Yeah. Thirty seven. The thing is that people were bugging out about was like it was hard the infrastructure wasn't there. Yeah. So like when you look like Arizona's super low on education, but you're like, Well, wait a minute, you've gotta realize how much of the population, especially in southern Arizona, is literally learning English as they're learning school. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. And that's I, such a good point. So like there's a lot of issues like that that people do not talk about. Like I think Massachusetts was like, was like number one, which of course they were. Yeah, I think early on when we were talking about school and our kids, I was like, you know, when you look at Zillow or something like that, you can see the school rating. And I was talking to my partner and I was like, that seems like it's probably racist. Because because I was like, this has got to be like, you're not taking into account like people's stress levels or like what their language is. or Like this is just like seems we had very people specific. from mexico in my school yeah like i cheated not... off of him in spanish class then they found out that he was mexican Jeez. i was like damn it <laughs> and then they like Different looked at spanish, me like so yeah. were you cheating off it that's when they found out yeah, yeah, yeah. that's when they found out because he corrected the teacher one time and like she's like what did you say and he and he just like oh shit yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I heard him and like everyone around like it was him and then me and then another guy and then another guy and like all our hearts broke at the same time we're like but why Fuck, aren't we dude, learning gonna, that kind of Spanish in school anyways, right? Shit, like, why? It's, anyways. It's... But, like, so it is, that it, it you know, like, you got to take stuff like that into consideration. So my mom wanted to go to a different place. Well, mm. my dad can only get assigned to Poland and um, Arizona. Damn, in a whole different life. I totally fucked up by not saying Poland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you weren't supposed to say it? No, no, no. Like, I fucked up. Like, we oh. should have all said Poland. Oh, you are, voted on it. You're and we like, were scared yeah. of Poland because, like, the weather and, like, we didn't know shit about Europe. Just so, like, Poland. We're yeah. like, oh, like, aren't they, like, super racist there? Probably. But, like. <laughs> Just because they're European. Yeah. Yeah, like, in Eastern European, we're like, oh, sure, I don't sure, know, sure. I don't know yeah. shit about that. Like, the only, my family's from Chicago. The only thing we knew about the Polish were Polish sausages, man. Delicious. With brown mustard. <laughs> Please. On that big-ass bun that they give you for some reason with the Polish. Give me, uh. 
um, pierogies, please. Yo, for yeah. real. <laughs> um, the, the New York versus Chicago agreement that I came on was, listen, New York restaurant pizza sucks. New York street pizza is some of the best food you'll ever have mm. in the world. Chicago street pizza sucks. Chicago restaurant pizza, some of the best people yeah, pizza yeah. you have in the world. And every New Yorker I've ever talked to has been like, yeah, I can roll with that, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, they're like, yeah, we don't, like, we pick it up from the cart outside the, you know, yeah. outside, like, or we go see Poppy at the bodega, and it's like, yeah. that's it, you know. But, um, so we moved here, and I never wanted to leave Hawaii. I felt very at home in Hawaii, but my mom just was scared of that. Plus, it was really bad timing because we had a tsunami warning. Mm. This is, you remember the uh, earthquake in Japan? Yeah. We had tsunamis after that. So really, and we were flying from Chicago, and we were landing in Phoenix, and everything was shut down. We didn't have food or water for like two days outside of like bottled water, and that was it. The Where back in Hawaii? Oh, you said you flew to Phoenix. Yeah, we were no, no, no. We were flying from Chicago back home to Hawaii because my oh, family's yeah, from Chicago. Oh yeah, okay. I, I so think, we yeah yeah I, yeah. Um, so I'm you know, I was like in Phoenix. <laughs> so it was scary. My mom was just like, "No, we can't do this because mm. there's nowhere to go. Like you're fucked yeah, yeah, if that yeah. happens." It's, um, it's rare, but like, you never know. And so my mom wanted to The volcano be, with you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. I call, I called my homies when the volcano went off. I'm like, yo, are we good? Yeah. He's like, yeah, it's just a bunch of fucking rich people got their houses burned down. Fuck them. And I was like, oh no. Yeah. All right, cool. He's like, yeah, we're good. I'm like, all right, yeah. later. <laughs> Down the hill enough. You can get... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's all. The... Yeah. And it's funny because the native Hawaiians do not build their shit there. No. They're like, no, nah. they're like, they're like, oh, how's all this amazing. land untouched? Like, have you, like, like, where you're at, bro. Yeah. But that's what scared my parents. And so, looking back, I get it. And I still kind of had have issues with leaving. But, like, I never wanted to leave. But that's what got me here. And then I went to school for a year. You know, graduated um, graduated from high school, kind of, because I was homeschooled the last two years. Because my parents... My mom was like, you were failing classes. I found my report card, like, three weeks ago. I was not failing classes. I was doing poorly in science. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I was not... And even then, poorly, I was like... Getting like a 76 because I was like, I don't know what the fuck this means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck it. I had no idea. I'm so bad at chemistry. I was like, yeah. so when you were like, yeah, I was doing chemistry for, you know, for this uh, photography style, I was like, fucking good on you because I would have been like, I don't fucking know, it's dude. It's a very like, limited set of chemistry. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, yeah. like, if you buy a developer, you're buying the kit and like, right. you're mixing the chemistry, but I don't have to be like, where do I get sodium chloride? Like, it's not, I'm not doing that. I was like, I don't mean? fucking know what that means, but like, so. <laughs> I think sodium chloride is salt. Hey, I, I was going to let it go because I'm like, that's actually really <laughs> funny. Um, but yeah, so I went to, so I, I wanted to be a chaplain because when my dad was deployed, he talked about how like people would play Call of Duty because you could come back from Call of Duty. Mm. And that wasn't necessarily the case in a war zone. So I wanted to help people with that. Mm. And so that was like my mission. And kind of what you were saying earlier about like you know safety conflict and stuff none of the churches that i went to were really with that because whenever i'd say they're like well didn't you just want to be a church planner no like no yeah. i'm not interested in that like i'm trying to do something separate and it's funny a lot of these emotions are still kind of raw because my family <laughs> probably shouldn't say this don't care my family played a truth or drink with each other and there was not a lot of drinking yeah yeah i'm like my brother it was, it was funny my brother's like so what's the point? Yeah. If we're, are we just telling, see, okay, fine. Like, you know, yeah, cause there yeah, was yeah. not You're a lot of You just calling out what you already thought it was. Yeah, yeah. And I don't drink. So I was just like, this pen's getting used, bro. Yeah, and yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah. it really wasn't. But like, we're all very honest about that, which is dope. You yeah, never really see amazing. stuff like that with your family. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it took a long time for my family to get 
that good mm-hmm. and the only way was really for me to like move back in and kind of like dive right into the deep end of mm-hmm. like like let's get our shit straight and so there's a lot of stuff that we found out about like my brothers were pretty much done with church way before me and like my mom knew that she messed up with church when I quit basketball because I loved basketball and I had to quit because it, the practices and everything it was too hard in the way of going to church yeah and it was too hard and that, that's when she kind of knew that it was too much but she felt like she shouldn't, she couldn't stop because my dad wasn't there and yeah. the pastor was the only person telling her anything yeah and so it was really really hard for her and apparently like none of us talked about this because we were all scared of what each other would think and I think that's what made me want to start doing art because you know that notebook I was telling you about earlier I was writing in it and my parents found it one day and it was like a bunch of issues that I was having because I didn't know what depression was yet mm. and to me it didn't my writing didn't really mature because I was like 15 so I was writing what I thought was hot and then I was like yo that's trash I'm so glad I can't find that notebook because I'm sure there's some stuff I would have been like, damn, bro, you wrote that? You corny, mm-hmm. bro. Like, um, but even now, like, the stuff that I've been doing has kind of matured into, like, what's the next step now? Mm-hmm. You know, because my whole family kind of left all at the same time. Like, I left, my brother left, and my parents finally left. And it's interesting because when my parents left, like, you see how many tattoos I got. I've got, like, I might be at 17 or 18 now. And... I got, I had three tattoos when, when I first got back, you know, when I was in the army, I got tatted up for the first couple of times and my mom said that they were wicked and that they were evil yeah, and yeah, all these yeah, things. Yeah. My mom's got four tattoos, <laughs> including a matching one with me and a nose ring. Amazing. And all that stuff before yeah. would have been like, no, you can't do this. Yeah. And just the change and like seeing how people have, have changed from that. And I think the scariest thing, you know, that fear is the beacon that you were talking about was like for me realizing like yo I'm the I'm four years older than my brothers my brothers are 16 months apart I'm four years older than my brothers so realizing for me that like and I told my brothers this the other day I'm like listen I'm not the best brother Hmm. I'm not I'm not the best big brother and there's been a lot of times where I've been a shitty person besides not being a good big brother but I'm a good teacher and I'm a good coach and if there's one thing that you will be that that I want you to be able to say about me, is that I fucking tried mm. different things, and so when they heard that, they were like, it finally clicked, that like, and it kind of clicked for me too. Actually, right now it just kind of clicked. Like, Braven's not a fuck up. Braven tries a bunch of shit. Doesn't always work. Sometimes it's his fault, sometimes it's not, but there's that, like, principle of, like, yo, fuck this. Like, I'm not letting you dictate Mm. what I want to do. And so, like, talking to them now, it's a much different vibe of, like, this is, you know, my whole family's kind of on the same page of, like, this is what we want to do. So, like, one of my brothers is talking about moving to New York. My family's also talking about moving to New York. They're like, Braven, you want to move to New York? And I was like, too fucking cold. It's not, but keep going. Seasonal depression is a motherfucker. We're not doing that. Yeah. I was like, man, I got seasonal. It lasts a long time. Yeah. My friend's like, I was like, yeah, I got seasonal depression. She's like, you've been in Arizona for two years and you've had seasonal depression every season. This sounds like it's just depression at this point. I'm like, you're probably onto something, bro. Yeah, yeah. But even then, like, and that's kind of where I came, like, that's what made me realize, like, yo, this is, it's, it's different now. Like, our relationship is much different now and that's kind of been 
I wonder how much of that was pushed just because of like being I'm scared of something so I'm gonna do it you know and the, the secret Instagram that I, that I have that I mention every podcast and nobody's fucking found it yet and I'm really mad at you guys for that but um how would they know <laughs> I've given hints oh, okay. I've given hints there it's if you I mean we know the names now right so we can um names. the I've given hints so it's a character yeah it's a character, and it's a name that I've used on the podcast before, um, that I stopped using once I, once I it came full swing. And if you know who I follow on Instagram and how I follow people, it's super easy to find. Because mm-hmm. I dropped that hint one time of like, if you know how I follow people, and within two days somebody found it. Yeah. Um, I just haven't been active on it in a while, but like the character kind of came from like this fear. Of, well, what if they find out I'm doing art? Mm-hmm. What if they find out that I want to make music? What if they find out that I want to rap and, you know, you know, do all these things? And so I started tailoring my stuff for approval. So, like, I put in references that I knew my dad would like. I knew mm-hmm. I put in, I started talking more about, like, certain things. And I was like, yo, this isn't it. Mm-hmm. This is not the right fit. And so that secret Instagram now is kind of like, you know, just a, a test of, like, how does Instagram work, number one. But also, how much do people really want to hear about this? Mm-hmm. Because as I keep writing, you know, it, it's gotten different. And I think that's the thing of, like... And there is a lot of religion and religious references in the writing. So, because it comes from an extremely vulnerable place that I am scared to write sometimes. Yeah. But it means so much more with all these different layers and with all these different things. And I think that's... I think people need to do what they're scared of more. Mm-hmm. Because I think when you kind of address what you're scared of, you don't have to do it all the time. But if you just kind of address like, okay, I'm nervous about X, Y, Z, then you find out that was this a prejudice? Mm-hmm. Was this necessarily was this a was this a legitimate fear yeah. <laughs> that I should not do again? Sometimes, but sometimes it's like, oh, you didn't want to eat at that place because you're scared of that part of town, and it, you're fine. Like you're yeah. good out here, you know. You know, you didn't want to move there because you weren't sure how they would treat Americans, but maybe you're just being a little bit too self-centered, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's, that fear is the beacon thing is going to stick with me, man. I'm not, I'm not forgetting that anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, it changed my life. It was, it's like, it's the reason I was able to leave religion. It's the reason I was able to, I mean, like, I've everything I am now. Uh, it's so, it's really strange to be like, oh, a younger version of me would be so ashamed of the person that I am now, but... Younger other, me would think like, "Yo, you're a burnout, dude." Oh, younger younger me was so so invested in keeping the thing going. Um, I was, sing for the church too. Yeah, um, that uh, she would be so ashamed. <laughs> um, and it's really, you know, it's interesting to be able to like to have that and to be like, "Yeah, but she also didn't know." She doesn't know, right? Because maybe younger you would have also been like, oh, wait, that's who we really are. Yeah. I mean, I am more myself now and more true about myself now than I've ever been in my life. And I'm still, because this has all happened in the last four years, like still inventing um, and still trying. And still yeah, you're a baby. Intimacy. Yeah. I mean, I tell people that I'm like, I'm, I'm basically four years old because I, <laughs> it was like this Christianity thing for so long. And so now everything I experience now is like, so I'm doing all kinds of stuff I would have never done. But yeah. But I think for a long time I thought that Fear is the Beacon was about some sort of like, for a long time I thought it was about some sort of like 
self-flagellation or something or like self-exposure yeah yeah right so it was about like forcing myself to you know to be honest to really tell the truth and and what i have realized is that i think it's actually about relief i think it's actually about catharsis and letting go because what is that other than like a confession right like when you think about confession it's about unburdening and so I think when I think about my art and what I'm making, it's a it's an unburden, it's an act of unburdening. So I'll break it down a little bit. The character I created um, comes from a few different places. So the character's name is Mikey Neptune, and I've said that a few times. And it comes from um, so my grandmother wanted to name me Michael because she loved the name Michael, and I found mm-hmm. my mom told me that like a couple like when I was like probably eight or nine. And it's always stuck with me. And so it's funny because I was talking to my brother and he's like, yeah, sometimes if I'm at like a party or a concert or something like that and I want people to know my name, he's like, I give him his own completely different name. Yeah. And it's funny because like our names were like very similar. So even as brothers who didn't know that we were doing this thing where like we went by different names depending mm-hmm. on like, hey, I'm in kind of a sketchy area. Um, I'm Michael, bro. Call me yeah, Michael. Yeah, What's yeah. up? Um, so it, can, it comes partly from that, but it also comes from like, you know, Neptune just being around the water because the water is very like, it means a lot to me. Like, yeah, it's weird. I have like this kind of like low key fear of deep water, but at the same time, like that, I feel at home in Hawaii and on yeah, the island. And like, deep water is like outer space. It's so fucking it's, terrifying. It's, we know less. I think it's like we know ocean. less about the ocean than we do about space. Like, it's that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. But it don't quote me on that. But I think I. No, no, no. You're right. It, yeah. It, yeah. It, uh-uh. That is. Yeah, that's true. But like, it came from me really coming to terms with like. I've attempted suicide twice. Mm. And I'm like, yo, the first time was like a thing where I was like, maybe I wasn't committed. The second time was like, I don't know what saved me. Mm. But, and then there's like a sense of like, I say it all the time of like, I don't belong here. I want to go home. Like I was saying it a lot. Mm. And for me, home was like, I want to feel where I'm wanted. And it turned into, I realized like, oh, that's Hawaii. I want to go back to Hawaii eventually. Like that's home because... It's the only place I've ever been where I'm not scared to just exist. Hmm. Um, even now, like, the, like I remember they talked about, like, hey, there are Proud Boys in Hawaii. And it was, like, nine people yeah. in Hawaii just, like, collectively was like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? But, like, it came from, like, a very vulnerable place of, like, no, dude, like, this happened. You can deny it if you want. This shit happened, though. And if you hold it in, it's not going to do nobody no favors. He's like, and I tell my brothers all the time, there's only two ways to teach people. You can teach somebody how to do something or how not to do something. And as a brother, I've been teaching them how not to do something for a very long time. Mm. You know, don't, like, y'all don't do it like this, don't do it like this. Because me, I'm like, I was just talking to my mom about it because, you know, there's some interesting issues with with my job of like, hey, I might, things might, things may change in a very big way. Um, and that's something later, you know, if you want more details, but... And she's like, well, what are you going to do if that happens? Like, you're going to be stuck. I'm like, no, I'm not. You can't get stuck. You find a different job. Mm. You find a different hustle. You got to do, you know, as long as it is, you know, what did Lil Wayne say? Either be good or be good at it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you kind of got to make that move. And so for me, it came from, like, when I was actually, like, ready to address, like, where the character came from. Because the character is, like, I, uh, I, I always say, like, oh, I want to go home. I don't belong here. I'm not from here. And I was like, and there's like a fleeting thought one day. I was smoking weed because that Mary Jane, man. All good um, things. <laughs> and I was like, 
And I that was maybe the second highest I've ever been because I remember the highest I've ever been, and that was a fucking travesty. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been too high before too, and it's. Oh, I didn't get high for a long time. At we one point. smoked for thirteen hours straight, and we didn't oh. realize we smoked for that long because it was extremely casual, and we were just like you know just like passing back and forth for like thirteen hours straight, and then at the end of the night it all kind of hit us because it, it like yeah it builds up. And then like when I sat down, I was like oh, and it was like. Yeah. I swear time was going backwards. We were gone, me and my homeboy. Yeah. But, um... I once rolled... I rolled, like, an entire... <laughs> and I wasn't thinking about it, because I was... It was, like, during an artist residency, and I was making work, so I was, like, you know, I was, like, I was, like, doing my thing. And this was right after I left religion, right? Like, this is, like, really... Like, this is how I'm coping with, like, knowing that my family's gonna fall apart and everything's falling apart. And Smoking I had... I fingers. smoked that whole thing. <laughs> and I was so... I mean, I had a migraine for, like, three days. I had to go to the hospital to try to get rid of it. Like, it was just, like, <laughs> I still, I was never anxious smoking, and now I'm an anxious smoker, because it's, like, uh, so my brain was, like, never that again. Don't do that ever yeah, again. Yeah, for real. Like, <laughs> but I think, I think it might have been at that, like, the second highest I'd ever been when I, uh, <laughs> I, sm- I, I have a pen that I hit fairly, yeah. fairly consistently. And then on top of that, I was, like, Yo, I wonder how much an, like I wonder how much an edible really fucks you up. A lot, actually. Some people my partner doesn't respond to them at all. There's oh yeah, for no, him. no, no. Mine mine fucked me up. I was very high, but like I was oh, like, maybe I'm an alien. Yeah. And, like that's how high I was. I was like, maybe I'm a fucking alien, yeah. dude. Maybe I'm from Mars. And then that's when the character I was like, maybe I'm from fucking Neptune. There's water on Neptune. <laughs> and so that's when it kinda occurred to me, I'm like, yo, what if this character was like what if that's the guy who saved me? What if yeah, he's your escape. Yeah, what if this character is like, this is an alien? Like, what if I did... And it... I, <laughs> one of the video games I've been playing actually has this plot almost exactly. Which game? Cyberpunk 2077. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in that game, you die. Like, you die at the beginning of the game. That's not a nice. spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens in the first, like, two hours of the game. You get shot in the head. But the there's, like, a, a chip that they put in your mind. You were supposed to steal this chip. Yeah. And when you steal the chip there's no way to hide it because you're being found out and you're in a firefight. So you just put it inside you. Like, you plug it into your own head. And the chip is Keanu Reeves. Like, on God, it actually is Keanu Reeves. He's fucking great in that game. Yeah. But it's Keanu Reeves as, like, this anarchist, nihilist rock star who, like, bombed a corporation tower. Cool. And it's like, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. And so it's funny because the character at the beginning is like, yo, you're a fucking psychopath. Get out of my head. And me, I'm like, no, 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 That's the dude. That's <laughs> like, the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All he did was like rebel against shit and play music. And then we find out he's kind of a shitty person. I'm like, well, of course he was. Like, I love if you start to extrapolate that plot into like commentary. But that's. What a cool. It pre- yeah. Right? That is the dude. Like, that's the idea, right? Like, whatever yeah. happened, like, if you just extrapolate it out into like the real world, like. The, the way the system is set up and the way, like, it will kill you. And it's only by gathering onto this thing that's, like, real. Yeah. And, and this, awake, you know. And that's, so that's what, it came to, it, it hit me one day, because I was like, yo, the thing is, because as I was playing it more and more, because I love the cyberpunk genre as a whole. Just like Blade Runner, Acura, like, that whole, like, yeah too many companies are so huge that they don't even matter anymore. They, mm-hmm. they affect every part of your life. But also, like, it's a very localized, community-centric thing, and it the, just the dichotomy between the two is amazing to me. Like, when you watch Blade Runner, for example, there are these giant, huge skyscrapers, 
and he's eating at like this shitty noodle place. Yeah. And both exist. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Like it's a place where the concept of intimacy with another human is very, very foreign to the point where like, and they, they used to play it as like a bad thing, but like prostitution is extremely common in the genre, but also so is like this very deep love for the people around you. So it's like Mm -hmm. all these dichotomies. And so it kind of hit me like Mikey, like I'm Mikey. And this thing that saved me, this Neptune, this alien that's also inside me, this also exists. This is a, this isn't just a, a, um, a pen name. This is like a whole identity. And so that's been something I've been working on a lot of like, oh, this, but it comes from a place of being extremely vulnerable and being okay with like, you coped with hip hop because it was so visceral. Mm -hmm. And because you had guys like Scarface and guys like Kid Cudi and guys like that were like, yo, I'm going to, I'm going to risk my masculinity by talking about these things. And this isn't risking your masculinity in 2022. This is risking your masculinity in 1993. Right, right, right. right. Like, yeah. this is like, you are saying these things at a time where you might get checked like more by more majority, people. yeah. Yeah, and like even that though, like, you were saying these things in a time, like, where the Parents' Ratings Council would shut you down, where Reagan would fucking hate you, and then your own people would be like, yo, don't talk about that. Yeah. Like, why are you talking about this, like, sensitive shit, bro? And this, like... And so just that vulnerability and coming from that place of like, hey man, this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Like this is your, like this is what you were called to do and the, like this help, this way that you want to help people, this is how you do it. So like I've been coaching sports and like the one thing that I preach to everybody is like, yo, you've got to take care of yourself. Yeah. Because I coach girls for the first time and it's so different than coaching boys. My mind, I was like, yo, it's going to be the same thing. Like light work. I got this. It's so different because I'm coaching middle school girls, by the way. The amount of times that I've had to take somebody out of a game because, coach, I didn't eat today. Yeah. Why didn't you eat? Oh, because I'm getting too fat. You're 13. Yeah. You're going to be fat until you're, you know, your body's not going to figure itself out until you're, like, probably mid-20s, to be honest. And also, fat is not a cuss word, but continue. But, like, and also, like, your body's going to be figuring itself out, number one. You're not fat, number two. Holy What's that's wrong like, with being soft, right? That's the question I have with that. With, I mean, with them, it is a cultural thing. If you're not even... I breaking, mean, I was a middle school girl. I know I know, I know what the problem is. Yeah, exactly. Was, yeah, I mean, no, no, I see what you're saying now. I see what you're saying I'm now. Just, like, I'm, just, I'm just saying... Like, it, it, bro- it, it blew the my mind. That changed my life. It blew my mind just because... Yeah. It blew my mind because I have all brothers. Yeah, We yeah, never yeah. worried about that shit. No. And so, like, from an athlete standpoint... There is a thing about, yeah, well, are you in shape? To me, it's not really necessarily, do you look like you're in shape? Can you run for 40 minutes? Mm-hmm. Can you do suicides up and down the court? Mm-hmm. Can you, you know, can you do these certain things? That's yeah. kind of where I'm at with it. There are professional athletes who are fat. Yeah. Okay. I don't really, you know, I don't really care about that. You know, it's, it is what it is. That's your body. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why I, you know... But to me, like, coaching them and kind of teaching them, like, yo, stop saying that. Like, you know, it's going to be way worse because I dealt with eating disorders and stuff, trying to get skinny. And that's why now, like, the weight loss that I've been doing, I've been focusing on I need to do this in a healthy way. Hmm. Um, 
I need to do this where I'm having a healthy body fat percentage. I have to do this where I don't crash for a week and I just don't eat anything. Mm -hmm. And then I eat a shit ton all weekend because that's not healthy. Mm -hmm. um, I still have, do have bad habits. Like today, I forgot to eat. I legit like forgot to eat. I was like, man, what am I missing today? Oh, food. We should order Gus's because I haven't had like Basic either. sustenance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what I'm missing yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like you, st yeah. you still do have that habit um, where, where it is things like that. But it is. No, I, I did pick up some food later. I got a, yeah. uh, that dude right here. He has like a blueberry lime pop tart. I was like, yeah, they're delicious. That's from Sus Pastry. Oh, excuse me, hold on. She's blueberry amazing. lime. Yeah, you should just be her. She's fantastic. I want to. I, I think I'm gonna do everybody here. She's not from here. Keep going. Um. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah. Oh, the dude I did last week, uh, Pablo, Pablo and uh, Jasmine. He does ice cream. He makes ice cream. Uh, at Joba. Go to Joba. Oh yeah, yeah, I've been to Joba. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, the big dude with the tattoos. Mm -hmm. That's Pablo. Yeah, he's fucking awesome to talk to. And Jasmine, she was there too. And she she's fucking awesome to talk to as well. But his his ice cream flavor was like peach habanero. I was like, yo. Yeah. I'm like, do you know that that's gas, bro? I was like, I know, right? Like, yeah, shit. I'm yeah, like, yo, I'm just letting you know. But that, there is that kind of like, you know, that, that, that overcoming of this is what I used to do. Let's do it a different way now. Mm -hmm. And so like coaching has kind of got me to that point the company that I'm working on now of like helping local artists be who they want to be has gotten me to that point of like oh this was my calling my calling always was to help people that didn't change but maybe not necessarily in this way yeah and just being open to that and not in in you know stepping away from the church which which was something that was extremely familiar to me yeah and doing it in a different way of like I don't need to be here anymore I don't need to do it this way I can leave and it's safe you know mm -hmm. And if it's not safe, then damn it, I'm going to make it safe. You know, now my family is all on board with it because we had those hard conversations, which were scary. You know, and it's a different situation, but, you know, having my brothers kind of be on the same page as me super helped. Because my brothers were like, yo, I, my, my brother said something that I said. It was funny. It was almost verbatim. But he was like, yeah, man, I, I was doing some research on it. And uh, why would I believe in what the slave owners told us to believe? And I was right. like... Yo, I literally said those words like two months, like, or like, you know, like two and a half years ago to myself. Right. And like my brothers all kind of hit that at the same time. And, you know, my mom kind of like realizing like, hey man, this, because my issue with that was like, they would shit on her as a woman. And I was like, mom, do you realize that you're raising three boys on your own? And nobody else in this church is doing that. Mm -hmm. They can't tell you shit. Yeah. And like, even my dad was like, with him it was interesting because when he heard how much shit we had gone through he was deployed he didn't know and like we all I, I know for sure I held it against him mm. but now I'm like no it wasn't really him he was doing what he felt like he had to do and yeah. it was a song by Andre 3000 who's the best rapper of all time I'm saying that in public with documentation he's the best rapper of all time <laughs> but he has a bar and it's again very vulnerable he said um, he talks about this time I'll, I'll, I'll try to find you a song but he says, uh, how was it? No, 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 before that. He says, um, that you were just trying to be, as a father, you are just, yep, that's it. He left his nest. He felt like a father, as a father, when he left his nest, and he was just trying to be the best that he could, which ended up being the worst that he could. Mm. And he's like, he, and he said, you know, as far as, like, you know, living in the shitty apartment in Manhattan, he said, I used to be a way better writer and a rapper when I used to want a black Carmen, uh, Carmen Gia, but now I'm speeding in a Porsche, and now my life feels like it's gone off course. Mm. And I was like, 
yo, that's it. Like, that that was kind of the thing that solidified, like, yo, all these things we, that we thought we wanted, by the time we got what we thought we wanted, like, maybe we didn't do it the right way. And I think that's what I've been focusing on now. It's just like, listen, it's cool to have goals. Have goals. Try to achieve. Make sure you're doing it the right way. And when I say the right way, it's not necessarily picket fence, nuclear family, 2.5 kids or all that. Maybe it is like, no, 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 this is not how my soul would feel at peace doing something like this. I think that's kind of, I think that's the most important thing as far as creating for myself now, at least. Yeah, I really identify with that. I, um, you know, I think all of, I became an artist within Christianity. And so I had these like things I wanted for my work that now don't apply. Yeah. And, um, and so for, so for a long time, I was like, I'm just going to start being really honest and then let the thing evolve. So the, the honest thing that I wanted was museum curation. Like I, I would love oh, to be famous. Be super right? cool. Yeah. I mean, like I would love to be famous. I'd love to be somebody who, who people know, like know your name. Mm. Right. And I can't pretend that that's not something I, I don't want. And I think when people act like it's something, anyways, I really consumed me for the last couple of years. And then recently so miserable and I just like I was thinking about it one day and I was like you know like internationally women artists it's like less than two percent of museum and gallery curated spaces are Mm. women artists and that doesn't even begin to account for any intersectionality that's just women so when you start to think about that and the way that our culture treats artists, I was like, I am holding out my happiness and my contentment with my work based on whether or not an institution decides they like it enough to buy it. And mm-hmm. it's most likely that won't even happen while I'm alive. I won't be around to see oh, it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And only 2% of women even get there. So how am I going to spend my whole life chasing this thing and sacrifice for this thing that I'll never even get to pass. It's most likely I'll never even enjoy it. I'll never even actually know if it happens. I will die not knowing if I succeeded. And so that started to be like, okay, I'm going to have to redefine what makes me content in my work now. What makes me happy as an artist now, because this is not a sustainable way to be an artist. And it has, you can't hold out what you're saying. You can't hold out like your contentment 30 years down the line. You can have goals. I would still love to be in the moment. You know what I mean? But like, and (laughs) what about right now? And I think too, what's cool is like when I realize that, when I realize that like local exists, because being a military, right? You don't give a shit about local. Yeah. you don't know how long you're gonna be here. It didn't. That didn't matter to, to me until I moved to Hawaii, and then kind of realizing what changed it. So th- there's a hip hop group I listened to from Minneapolis called Atmosphere, um, and the NBA has like you know they they did like kind of kind of a mass rebrand for a lot of teams about five ten years ago now for uh, like Nike went out and just redid all the uniforms, and the people that that. Um, that did Minnesota's were Atmosphere. And I was like, hold on, wait, when, how the hell did Atmosphere get that? Like, this is an NBA team, but they're local. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay, cool. Like, like that makes sense. 
And then I was listening to um, just one of their songs, and they talk about, like, yeah, you have to be planted to where you're at. Mm. And I tell people, I'm like, I've never had a home. Like, I don't consider, now it's Hawaii, but, like, I didn't consider anywhere home. And I was listening, you know, re-listening to Kid Cudi's mixtape the other day, and he's got a song called Cleveland is the Reason. And he's, you know, he's from Cleveland. And listening to it, my mind just said, yo, Phoenix is the Reason. Mm. And I was like, like it was funny. It was like that dialogue, that Mikey Neptune dialogue of like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's a dope flip. Like, and I was like, no, 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 hold on. Like, listen, Phoenix is the reason why we're doing this, what we're doing. Like, seeing what was popping off in Virginia Beach, which you know about the art scene in Virginia Beach is insane. I don't. It's not. It's not. I'm not from there. But that yeah, I do art know, scene it's in good. Virginia Beach is nuts. Yeah. As far as like who you see come out of there, Pharrell and, mm-hmm. Marie, and like. The music scene oh, is mm-hmm. insane. Missy Elliott, Timbaland, Pusha T, Clips, like Aretha oh, Franklin and... Aretha Franklin is from Virginia Beach. I think she was either from Virginia Beach or she like stayed in Virginia Beach for a long time. Like, that's what my what? friend was telling me. That's what my... My friend's from Norfolk. I'm going to fact check that, but that's ridiculous. I, I've been telling myself I need a fact check for like five years too. Okay. He <laughs> it told me, true now. He told me one day, he's like, yeah. yo, Aretha Franklin from here. And I'm like, I thought she was from like Georgia or some shit, bro. And he's like, oh, I don't know. It's too far like, north, right? You're like, she can't be. It's like, it's too... You know what, actually? Like, we're right gonna, now, we're going to yeah, find out Yeah, right we're going to find out right now. Oh, my God. Because, you know, if I find out that he's been lying to me, I'm going to fight him. I'm right, not going to fight him. Right now. Ooh. Okay, that makes more sense. So, she's from Memphis. Yeah, I was going to say, she can't... It's not possible. Uh, did she stay? Is she born in Memphis? Early life, Memphis. Okay. Beginnings. Okay, so she was up in Chicago, New York. She was in. Yeah. For so a okay, bit. so she's not from Virginia Beach, is what we're saying. Right no, now. no, no. Okay, that motherfucker. I'm gonna have to fight him. Five years and I've ruined a friendship. Can nah, he's so cool. No, okay, I'm kidding. Come on. No, it, I I love that dude. That dude. No, I know. I'm, I'm, so it looks like what actually happened is that. Oh, this makes sense. Okay. This is quality radio. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You're for re- sure. reading, reading from a phone. Yeah, no, we'll be all right. They'll be all right. They've, we're somehow fifty episodes deep in this shit. Like, yeah, are you really? Yeah. Wow, this, this congratulations. Fifty two. Um, so, yeah, okay. What what I think it was actually what would make a lot more sense was that she just was very active, like in that. Sure, 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 there. sure. So that makes more sense. Yeah. Of like that, of she because I remember she was out there a lot, like, or she would have like you know contemporaries, and mm-hmm. they would do a lot of like Aretha Franklin themed things in the area. Yeah. I remember seeing that pop off just because, you know, Virginia will do that where they'll have, like, you know, people will just come through there. You're like, oh, man, this person knows about this place. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. Um, that makes sense, though. Memphis, Memphis and Detroit make a lot more sense than Virginia Beach. Mm-hmm. Missy Elliott is from Virginia Beach. Or she might be from Portsmouth, actually. But, like, that Seven Cities area, I think. Yeah. Um, Missy Elliott and Aretha Franklin are... No, 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 I'm like, no, Missy no, Elliott, are... I understand. Aretha Franklin is yeah, cause, not from... <laughs> I gotta talk to him now because there no. was like a group from Virginia Beach. And I'm like, hold on, like them? Yeah. Was it was it the Isley? No, the Isley brothers are from like Ohio or something. It was some soul group that was yeah. from there, and they so what they would do is bring a lot of people down the area. Yeah. Because there's like the Norva there is like a big mm-hmm. deal, like that that venue. Yeah. Um. So there is like a very strong soul scene and like RBC, like Chris Brown. I know, but Chris Brown is from there, so mm-hmm. like that music scene out there is pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And I think Chris Brown got his start from, like, someone who was affiliated with Motown. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's what it was. Somebody who was affiliated with Motown, I don't remember who, and I'm going to remember later, and it's going to piss me off that I didn't remember. But Motown used to do a lot in that area just mm. because of its proximity to, like, D.C., Atlanta, New Orleans, Memphis. You know, yeah, it's yeah, kind it's of central. central. Yeah. Um, so when I saw the art scene in Virginia Beach, I'm like, wait a minute, how are we not doing that in Phoenix? Yeah. You know, how are we not, like, Hawaii's a little bit different with their art scene just because it's very centralized, very local art. Um, you found something? That balls in that drawer and oh that's down. what it is yeah um so that's when i was like yo this is the reason why we're doing all this though if i lived in hawaii would i be doing this much art stuff or would i just be existing in a different space i don't know mm. um but i think that is like realizing like this is why you know I'm, I'm here and this purpose is different it's a different it's what i always wanted to do but we had to find how to do it in a new way mm. that honestly if young braven found out what you were doing he'd probably dig it yeah and I think that's kind of the most important thing is like maybe this is more true to yourself man you want that ball so bad I'll, I promise so you I'll bad. throw it for she you she wants later. it so bad um, <laughs> but I think that's the most important thing too is like maybe your maybe your younger self wouldn't wouldn't accept it but like I wonder if you can make your younger self understand it like me? yeah like yeah. hey man this is you know, this I think is there's who we always super, were super great about that. yeah oh yeah I mean honestly I mm, yeah, I think that's a beautiful sentiment. And and as far as younger me goes, like she she has so much trauma <laughs> that like you know, it doesn't really matter to me if she gets it. Like that I feel like people talk about that like, "Oh, you know, would my younger self be proud of me?" And I'm like, I don't know that it really matters. Cuz that's like she, she's got no idea. And what I know now is that like Christianity has all of this stuff about like what joy is and what peace is and like that the only true joy and true peace and true love happens within the confines of that belief and I found out when I left that that is a flat out lie that like I've never been happier yeah and more content and more self-assured and more like more like honest than I have been outside of that context even with my depression and stuff which I stopped, did, I, because of the church mostly, I stopped treating depression like a, like a cold. And I started treating it like, and I don't say this to like downplay how serious it is, but I started treating it like cancer. Yeah. You don't know how long it's going to be there, and you just hope you can get into remission, and yeah. sometimes you can completely remove it, sometimes you can't, but... Yeah, I mean, I really I, I, I feel the same way. Like, I'm much happier now and much more content now mm-hmm. than I was in the church. Yeah, you know, like I, I haven't attempted suicide, but I have I have ideation, right? And so I have I have like seasons where my brain is like coming up with ideas about that a lot more often than other seasons, and so I have my yeah. like. You is know, it literal have, seasons? Because you. No, not I mean seasons in yeah. in the Christian sense. Like I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Because um, I was gonna say, like, Arizona's a great place to get rid of that seasonal depression. I man. think it's I like have reverse seasonal depression. I hate the heat and the sun so bad. I miss the rain insanely oh we gotta get you to seattle i gotta get yeah i mean the desert isn't the desert is where i am i well let me uh i'm now on two conversations so the what i was gonna (laughs) say is like um the ideation stuff i actually became a christian because i was like i'm gonna either become a christian or i'm gonna kill myself like either god is gonna fix this thing and say rescue me from this or i'm gonna end it yeah uh and i was like 13 at the time and, uh, and so it like, it was almost like it froze all that trauma on ice. And then when I left, 
And I've had seasons of it before, but then when I left, it was so, like, all that ideation came rushing back in my yeah. brain. And yeah. it took me quite a while to, like, claw my way out. And so... Because you never addressed it. You just you never addressed it. the trauma yeah. that lives there. You know what I mean? It's all just been, like, stuffed under a bunch of praise songs. And, um... And so, like, my... You know, I have stop gaps that I have, like... Uh, if it's a one-off, fine. If it's more regular, my partner knows about it. So that if I stop talking about it suddenly, he knows to be like, hey, you... You all right? You know what I mean? And like, you know, and I have like levels for myself, but, um, that was this conversation. But what I was trying to tell you about was over here. Oh, uh, home. Yeah. And I think it's been really weird because we've moved so, you know, like it's been a total reinvention of myself in the last four years. And we've moved quite a bit between Virginia and New York and (laughs) Virginia and New York and here in Phoenix. Like, uh, I don't, I don't have this. I don't have this, um, nothing feels like home. And it's I, kind of a freeing feeling though. It has pros and cons, but I think I really am, I'm really admiring what you're saying about like Phoenix being the reason because I think there's part of me that keeps holding out, you know, for like, okay, well what's next? Or like how much longer? I do too. You and that's I mean? when I, I know it's one of those stupid things that you'll see at, oh, hi. Hello, are, are you my new best friend? Lays all okay. up in your face. Um, <laughs> but I think it's one of those like silly things that you see on like you know at Ace Hardware like in in that decor section. But I, it really hit me one day of like bloom where you're planted, and I was like, oh, it's okay to mm-hmm. be here right now. Yeah, 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 and to and be invested in it. Yeah, hey buddy, it's I'm okay. So sorry. No, you're good. She's you're like, I got two dogs. Do you it's want me to get down? It's you just signal me. See, you, down. you just really want the attention, huh? I know, I know. Hi. She's like Hi. bored out of her mind. Hi. And... Yeah, I know. I'll throw the ball for you in a little bit, okay? <laughs> okay? Hang on, hang on. You're pushing me away from the mic. Hey. You're pushing me away from down. the mic. Hey, he it's not, okay. He's not your, he's not your, this isn't your show. Yeah, you can't well, it's speak. It's about to be. You can't speak. Yeah, it's about to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, dogs always take over. They're so good at taking over. It's like. What's so funny is like she most of the time because I bring her with me all, all the time and I'm teaching her how to be in the studio and not do this. But she she, she seems sleeps. like she was okay when it was she's, solo. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's great. She sleeps all the time. And so like right now it's just because she really wants to play with that ball. That's the only <laughs> issue. But um yeah, so being in Arizona, I I straight up told the team that I'm working with, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. Um and That's one of my friends. One of my friends who knows I've been like dealing with depression and stuff. She's like, "Whoa, no, not like that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we're okay right now, actually. Like, <laughs> and they're like, "Would you tell?" You're like, uh, "Yes." <laughs> it's like, like uh, I mean, now I won't. Jeez, yeah, I wasn't yeah, in that yeah. space before. Damn. Yeah. But no, like I was like, "Listen, I don't know how much longer we're gonna be here, but like, while we're here, let's do some dope stuff." Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of has really helped me the most. Of like, listen, man, my lease is up in August. You know, I'm moving. Mm-hmm. I'm moving to a new place next um, next month. I mean, my lease is up in August. We'll find out what happens in... I have to tell them 60 days before. So we'll find out in June. Yeah, you know, yeah, what yeah. we're going to do. Yeah. Um, and I think that has kind of been the most freeing thing of like, hey, man, you can do what you want now. Mm-hmm. You're good. Like, you don't have... Hey, oh, I hate Phoenix. All right, well, go to Seattle. Go to San Diego. Go to mm-hmm. LA. Go to... Don't go to Vegas. But, you know, like... Unless you're going for, like, flights same. or something. like. <laughs> yeah. But... I think that's the thing I'm most excited about for the future is like seeing, and I think if you would have told young Braven, like, yo man, you're going to have the freedom to do whatever. I think young Braven would have been like, 
cool. Like, that sounds dope. Let's do that. But did you have anything that you wanted? I know you're working on uh, on the projects. Did you have anything that you wanted to plug? Anything that you wanted to? I mean, so um, I document my creative process on Instagram and TikTok mostly. So oh, TikTok really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gotta be. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's uh, it's live makes work. L I V makes work. Um, that's my handle on both of those places. My website is oliviafair.com. And fair is spelled P-H-A-R-E. Um, gosh, I feel like I should have a better, like, uh, right now I'm in the middle of, like, I came back from this residency in France, and so I'm going to have a drop coming in the next couple oh, months of, like, new dope. images. That's sick. Yeah, that are all made in France. And, and that work is, um, one of my favorite artists is Monet. Like, when I see the water lilies, I start crying. So the camera that I use, um, because it's a 4x5 film camera, has, like, you can get really specific with the focus and you can be like, I want everything in this photo on this plane to be out of focus and this plane, but then I want this stripe in focus. Oh, you really? can, yeah, you can be like really specific. So while I was there, I was sort of like riffing off of Monet and bringing it into the camera. Um, so there's a lot of like abstract florals and interesting like landscapes and stuff, photographs into the water. Oh, so wow. there's some good stuff coming out and um, it should be out in the next couple months and there will be like there will be large scale, limited edition, fancy works, and then there will be like prints for sale for people who just want to support it and who want yeah. to work and things like that. So that's following me on Instagram is the easiest way to keep up with that and cool. what's going on. And I'll definitely put those in in the description. So Thanks. yeah, I'll definitely. That's important to me. I'm like, all right, hey man, we can't put artists on if we don't put where to support them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, are you gonna listen to? You'd be shocked how long we've been talking, by the way. I'm pretty sure we're at like four hours. Are we at four hours. <laughs> no. Two and a half. Gosh, you like covered the whole world. My record is three and a half. Yeah, I did. And a, I did a four-hour interview, like one of my first interviews. I, I so I do I do like production sometimes, and so like I did a I did a video series, and my first interview lasted four hours. And anyways, I'm sorry. Keep going. No, no, you're good. You're good. Um, the three and a half hour one was awesome because it was me, my friend, his friend, his friend's girlfriend. Oh, yeah. And about halfway through, things turn into, hey, man, this feels like they're talking about some personal shit. Do not turn this microphone off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're married now. Cool. And uh, I'm not, yo, listen, if you know, if you still listen to this, you know who you are. And, like, I'm not taking credit for it, but, like, I'm kind of taking credit for that, Brody. Um, (laughs) No, they're married now. I think they, I think he just had a, I think they just had a kid. That's a beautiful story. Yeah, I was like, hey man, shout out to you. you. Shout shout, shout out to Matchmaker Braven over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way to go. Mikey Matchmaker over here just. Yeah. Well, I'm really great. I mean, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to talk and and I always uh, love talking about like politics and religion and stuff like that. And so it's been a really fun conversation. I'll ask you this and not expecting an answer on the timeline or expecting what I always expect or what I always hear when I get this question. Would you do a podcast? Like your own? Yeah. I mean, I I think about it, right? Okay. Um, Yeah. That's that's, that's the answer I usually get. Yes. uh, I think podcasts are probably going to go the way of the blog at some point, right? Because I love a podcast. I freaking love a podcast. And again, like you might, maybe not radio still exists. I think podcasts will always exist. But for me, like anytime I take on a project like that, I'm not making this. Oh know? yeah. Yeah. yeah um, that's true. 
And so, like, I, I love the idea. I actually have, this is, like, a very, very early works, early early stages of planning. I have a friend who's um, also a photographer, and we're talking about doing, like, a video series, like, maybe a YouTube series or something, that is um, people's stories and experiences around... Oh, I think you, yeah, I think you'd be great at that. Row and uh, just uterus having people talking about Yeah, their I think you'd be awesome at that, healthcare. actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that... Yeah, I think I think you'd smoke that. Thanks, I appreciate that. So that's, I mean, that's like the thing that I see podcasts away, doing is um, everybody's. I think people are going to stream on Twitch and YouTube. Yeah. And I think you. My goal actually with this, I haven't really talked about it too much. Um, my goal with this, what I want to start doing here soon, uh, probably once I move, I'll be able to get a better setup. I want to stream the podcast on Twitch live. Fun. And put the video, the VOD on YouTube, and yeah. have a. Um, podcast copy of it no, i think know, that's really, gonna be i think that's the future of it that's really good because this video series that we're talking about my the my partner is also a composer so like it could be really great to take that audio and just put it yeah. in another space that yeah and it's great. easy to do the podcast you yeah, just yeah. isolate the video or you isolate the audio and it's nothing yeah yeah like it's gonna take me like two minutes to get all this set up are you working like audacity or garage band or something i'm on garage band yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't pay for nothing i paid for that mic and that's it well i have you know, I have <laughs> right because of what i do so like there's i have both audition and i have um like premiere and stuff so it's but yeah i i it's it's so easy to do and i think the thing about the blog that people messed up was they they didn't incorporate it into anything else yeah i mean a blog exists purely for seo at this point because what a blog should have been what the blog should have gotten you to do is video should have gotten you to, into doing video mm. and then once people stop once everybody started vlogging the thing to do after that was live Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as long as you still had a copy of it, like you can still blog. People still read blogs, but it's yeah, a I mean, bit you run into. Them. I mean, I just read how to do something the other day. You know, those are the best blogs. The how to blogs. How to blogs. Ones. Yeah. But I think stuff like that, um, as far as like you know the music blogs and the fashion mm-hmm. blogs, that's Instagram now. Yeah. And a lot. Of, what's funny? A lot of those blogs are full fledged media conglomerates now. Mm-hmm. You know the the blogs that there's. I'm an NBA fan, so like this called League Fits. All it was was a dude finding pictures of NBA players wearing cool clothes, and he would post them and list who made them, and that's it. And they are part of one of the biggest basketball magazines in the world now. They got bought, and it was like some Wild. 15-year-old dude who was doing this for like six years and then sold it to, to Slam. Wild. And it's just like, oh, that's fucking sick, dude. And I think Twitch, I think Twitch is kind of that thing where it's gonna transcend video games soon. Mm-hmm. I think Twitch is going to be what OnlyFans tried to do. Uh, yeah. That OnlyFans debacle was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. They were like, hey guys, we're going to get away from all the adult content. And then like the entire user base was like, no the fuck you aren't. And yeah, then yeah. OnlyFans was like, we're just going to lock up our adult content a little bit tighter. That way we don't get sued. And everybody's like, we can roll with that. Yeah, fine, fine. <laughs> like, we also don't want our very young kids looking at poor. We just want... You know, that was like... the funniest thing because it was like just the switch. And I think that's why you need... no Get tech bros out of technology. Hmm. I'd rather get a sex worker into technology than get a technology, like a tech guy, into sex work. I think I know how that sounds. I'm rolling with it. I mean, I'm just I, yeah. But like that's the thing. I I actually spoke to someone. Can you um, be the crotch protector? Could be used so many different ways. 
<laughs> yeah. I actually spoke to someone, though. She was talking about, like, hey, we need to find a way to make our own platform. I'm like, yes, you do. And I was like, hey, I'll help you out. Like, I have, I got people who got programming experience. I, I think it just fell through for now, but just because of how much of an undertaking that is. But, yeah, it's the same with Spotify. Mm-hmm. Like, that dude doesn't care about music. So no. That's why I got title. Because, listen, Jay-Z's a businessman, but... He also cares about music. Yeah, yeah, He yeah. also cares about music. Like, there's a lot of issues I have with Jay-Z, but dude cares about music. Mm-hmm. And so at least, you know, if I'm going to get a support, a streaming service, I can at least get it from him. But That's cool. Two hours and 43 minutes. And the craziest part, we could definitely do a part two. Oh, my God. We could so e- much stuff we didn't say. We could have easily done a part two. Intentionally said we won't. Yeah. It's funny, <laughs> though. Like, you, everyone starts off a little bit nervous, not sure what to say. Usually by a minute 45. They're like, fuck it, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you being so vulnerable. Oh, likewise. Yeah, I appreciate that. But yeah, let me know. Let me know whenever you want to do this again, especially once I move. Once I move, it won't have I'm to. Down, baby. I won't have to drive 35 minutes to get here anymore. Yeah, and I'll be living practically your neighbor. We'll just. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> there's some good food places by where you'll be, too. I'm very excited. There, there's the food a, scene where I'm at in, this, in the valley is. It ain't, it ain't anything to talk about. No, it's not. But there's some good food downtown. There yeah. is. Um, are you plant-based or anything like that? <laughs> We're never going to stop recording, never. are we? Okay. Are you plant-based uh, or anything? Not at the moment, no. Oh, no, you're good then. Yeah, yeah we got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys sticking this one out. Um, I think this is going to go up next week. Great. I think this is probably going to be uh, Wednesday. But I'm going to talk to Neil about some stuff. But I think this should be Wednesday. I want to do, like, a whole series of this. Yeah, awesome. And then once I get the video all set up, I want to come back and do, like, a video kind of, like, Fun. What have you been doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that sounds great. Appreciate you guys listening to it. Peace, guys. Thanks.